Welcome, one and all, to today's newest podcast, newest broadcast of VORW International. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, I know no big fancy intro on the on the souped up <laughs> super setup, and then um, you know going into we're just we're just going in hard and fast, I guess, and we're just we're just doing it. So, hope everyone's doing okay in this week. This uh, I don't even know what to describe it. You could maybe I was gonna call it a hellish week. I don't know if that's really true or not, but that's how I've kind of felt at times. Certainly a week of uh, turmoil across the United States, and um, also worldwide with the uh, with the coronavirus that hasn't gone away either. And I uh, hope everyone's doing all right. Hope everyone's hanging in there, uh, physically, mentally, doing okay. We're gonna have a good show for you today. Number one, it's uh, it's gonna be good. After I give this opening little statement. Uh, we're just going to go right into a segment that I had recorded, um, I would say like a week ago. I was meaning to get this show up earlier, but then and I'm going to talk about it. I was just in a funk for a couple days and just, you know, wasn't wasn't as productive as I should have been. But uh, I'm feeling better, so that's good, and um, getting it done. But um, we're just going to be getting into a segment that I recorded about Steak and Shake, which... I, I hope you give it a listen. I think it's gonna um, it's gonna be along the lines of like the ant story, uh, in that it's more of like you know storytelling, right? I just share my encounter and a few thoughts. Hope you enjoy it though. We're just gonna get into that in a minute. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention real quick. Of course, this has been a week where uh, there's been lots of tensions, lots of you know. You have this view, you have that view, uh, you can't see eye to eye, etc. Lots of conflict, right? We've already heard so much. And, you know, I said my piece. I said what I wanted to say. And that's it. And it wasn't to try to be like some sort of activist. It wasn't with some sort of narcissistic, you know sort of assurance that if I say this, everything's going to be better all of a sudden. I can't, sometimes I can't believe that there's people who are actually like that, that think that making a post on social media is really going to change such an issue. I just wanted to express my, my views. I just sat there, I thought about it for a while. Uh, because, you, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, people are going to be really upset if you don't say anything people are going to be really upset if you say something and i just sat there for a while i thought about it and i said no i really i really do want to just give my two cents about the whole thing and i know it's going to anger people right i know it's going to upset some people and you just got to say look you got to stay true to yourself what you believe you got to cut the losses and uh, move on. You can't please everyone. That's something that I've given lectures about for a long time. So, you know, you get some fire and fury from a couple people, but most people um, were all right with it. But, you know, you get some people on both sides. Uh, it's something that, interestingly enough, uh, some people have said, oh, it's only people on the right wing that um, attack this. I've seen people on the, the, the very far left as well. Um, for different reasons, uh, go out and criticize what I said. You know, because sometimes you get the two... You get certain groups 
I always, I always like the phrase, the smallest dog barks the loudest, you know? May not really be a lot of people, but they can make a lot of noise. <laughs> That's what some people are, are very good at. Um, but really, my official statement on it was very moderate. That's the other thing. It wasn't extreme. It wasn't extremist. I don't think it was extreme left, and I don't think it was right wing either. I think it's really like a centrist type of statement if I had to categorize it. Uh, I just said, I hope we learn from 2020 and unite as a more empathetic, understanding, and equal society. George Floyd won't be forgotten. Let's make sure of that through peaceful actions and a continuous demand for justice. Peaceful actions. I hate the riots. It makes me... Every time I see the riots, the looting, the arson, it makes me sick. It disgusts me. It makes me really sad to see that happen, and it's happened in so many cities. And I'm thankful that things are getting a bit better there, that, you know, peaceful demonstrations continue as, you know, if people want to do that, then, then good for them. Right now, peaceful demonstrations continue, but they're done responsibly. That's how it should have been. should be done through organization, through um, planning, through, you know, cooperation. People have to be civilized, so they have to retain their dignity. You can't just go and destroy everything. Never have to, ever should do that. Some people were upset because I kind of didn't, <laughs> if you would believe it, because I didn't advocate that. And, um, and also, you know, I'm not one of those people that hates uh, law enforcement again. You know, I've already talked about this for so long, I really don't want to anymore. But I think law enforcement is necessary. And yeah, there's problems, there's issues, but um, law enforcement, it should not just be disbanded and gotten rid of. I disagree with that. You know, just needs some reform, in my opinion. Uh, but it's essential. And, uh, you know, empathy. Empathy is such a, such a thing we're lacking. So much degeneracy in this world. So much of this every-man-for-himself attitude. And uh, some people, they're like, you know, it's, it's... Why are you even saying this? It's never going to happen. Well, you know, there's no harm in dreaming. <laughs> There's no harm in that. Isn't that what so many views nowadays are? But I guess what I'm trying to say on a final note is that aside from just the, the I would hope, sensible and truly moderate tone of the message, sometimes the way the internet is, you know, people, oh, they try to bully you, they try to attack you, they try to do all this stuff. And it, it makes you feel like, like I said, some people just are really good at making a lot of noise even if there's not a ton. So sometimes when you look at the feedback, it's like you feel that you there are only two acceptable views uh, that you can have. It's like you can either... You're either supposed to be happy that he's dead or you should support burning everything down and rioting as well. And if you support neither of those and you, you, know, you disagree with those things, uh, then God help you. That's the one thing that I run into trouble with a lot. It's like sometimes when I have views that kind of take a little bit from each uh, side, it pleases no one, but angers a lot of people. So that's why I sometimes just keep my mouth shut. But it was just one of those things. I really just wanted to give my my take, that's it, and um, cut the losses, move on. If someone really... You know, I think I'm one of those people where it's like, 
Look, if you can't see eye to eye on everything, you'd agree to disagree. <laughs> you know? Some people, I realize it's, it's a very common attitude. It's like, I disagree with you on this, so I'm never going to talk to you again. Okay, fine, then you do you. Uh, so, with that, just clearing the water a little bit, just giving a couple thoughts. And, um, yeah, on to, uh, on to the rest of the show. Uh, it's going to be a lighter, you know, lighter atmosphere, because we have so much stuff going on right now that, let's face it, every single avenue you look at covers it. you got the virus, you've got everything going on in, in the United States and so many other things around the world as well that um, hopefully it'll be a little bit of a lighter atmosphere, at least at least for a good amount of the show, hopefully. So, hope you could listen in, and um, with that, we're going to just be getting into the Steak and Shake story. Again, going back to a couple days ago, and as a prelude, just think back to 2016, when I used to love Steak and Shake, and then think about what's changed. Feedback is welcome, by the way. It would be great to hear from you. Your fan mail, fan art, uh, that I'll feature in this broadcast, and credit you, as well as questions, comments, topic suggestions are welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. The more correspondence, the merrier, so... Uh, don't hesitate to drop a line, and as I'll see later in the show, uh, I will be responding to as much of it as I can. It could be anything. Write anything you want. I don't care. It's a blank slate. The email is a blank slate, so type away anything you want. Anything going on in the world, in the news, any questions, you name it. Like I said, anything. Whatever you want to do. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And on a final note, broadcast as listener-supported... Nothing really gets monetized anymore, and um, again, the fate of this YouTube channel is still up in the air. No more strikes yet, <laughs> but you know, who knows? I should, I should really bite my tongue. But um, if you do want to support the broadcast, just listen in. If you like what you hear, you want to hear more of it, consider supporting the show with a donation of any size and shape to PayPal at VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. So uh, just consider it. Look, every bit helps, even if it's five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, anything. It adds up and it really does an awful lot of good. All right, with that, the intro is done. Good news. (laughs) And into the good stuff at that. This is B-O-R-W. Well, welcome Ladies and gentlemen, everyone listening to the new show. Starting this one off is... uh, It's a discussion that I don't think... I don't think I've done in a while. At the very least, but it's fresh in my mind. So that's just why I wanted to start the show off right away with it. Right away. And maybe you can consider this a continuation of a topic that I had brought up originally, oh gosh, I would say years ago. A number of years ago, as a matter of fact. And according to my recollection, and just from what I've, what I've just searched around, I haven't talked about it in this capacity in very likely three years. Probably three years is what I would, what I would say. Now, 
Maybe I've talked about it since then for, who knows, maybe a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there, but you know, I don't remember really going on about this since then. And I figure even if I did, even if I did, I don't think it's at that point where it would be of any severe detriment, you know, that I talk about it again. I don't think it's going to be like, oh my god, he's, he, he's talking about it again. Why? Why, review bra? Why? Don't do it. I, I never want to hear another word from you about this subject ever. <laughs> I, I don't think it's at that point. I don't think... I just don't think it's it's ever been at that point, truth be told. But let's give a little bit of an introduction. When it comes down to, you know, fast food, or at least mainstream, big chain restaurants, right? You have different types. You have some that are, you know, with an extreme emphasis on carryout only. Like Little Caesars, you know, they do pizza, but it's like there's no dining space in a Little Caesars restaurant. It's just a counter. They make your pizza and you take it out. You eat it wherever, but not there. You know, it's just to-go or delivery or pickup or any of that stuff, right? That's the purpose of Little Caesars. It's not a dine-in, sit-down restaurant. You know, then you have the mainstream fast food places. Uh, that are like McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, etc. Which it's like, you know, either or. It's like, well, you can go in, you can, um, you know, get it to go. Uh, you can just walk out or you can eat in, you can do the drive through. But even if you decide to stay in and let's say sit down and eat in a McDonald's or a Burger King, etc., it's usually not for an extremely long time. It's usually like you're going to get your food fast, you're going to eat, and then you're going to head out. It's, it's not like you're really going there for the ambiance. It's not like you're really going there for the experience. And then you have the third type of mainstream, you know, again, kind of fast food type places, where you can still get things to go, you can still get it takeout, in some cases drive-through, some cases not. But there's more of an emphasis on sit-down eating. And those are places like Denny's, um, Steak and Shake, etc. Where they have a greater emphasis on sitting down, getting waited on, spending a little more time there then getting your food, enjoying it, and then heading out. But there is still that option for going in and getting it to go. And I'm going to be talking about one of those types of establishments, in particular, Steak and Shake. And I'm looking right now, as I'm going back through the archives, on July, late July of 2016, I did a show... VORW show at that. One that uh, over 50,000 people listen to. Yeah, I know. VORW used to be the place to be, I tell you. It really was. And uh, still would be if I uploaded it on the main channel, but I can't, you know. Especially given what's been going on with this show and all that. But 
let me tell you. On that show in 2016, I even said this myself. I gave a lecture about Steak and Shake. I gave a lecture, and I gave them immense praise. I had only good things to say. Only good things to say about them. I talked about everything that I liked about them. And as a matter of fact, just to know what kind of discussion it was, in the program guide that I gave for that show, 32 minutes, 30 seconds, I said, a lecture regarding the fast food establishment Steak and Shake and how it is now my favorite place, overtaking five guys. So, understand, it's a very, very positive discussion. Since then, I had gone there regularly. I had done a few reviews. And even uh, up until seven months ago, which was the last video I made about Steak and Shake, I still had a relatively favorable attitude. I'll tell you this, though. Things have changed at Steak and Shake, and not for the better. Steak and Shake is by no means my favorite establishment anymore. Not by a long shot. And if that lecture in 2016 was about why I like them, you're about to hear why I don't like them anymore. And recent experience that completely and totally sealed the deal. After a long string of bad experiences, this is, as you could say, the straw that broke the camel's back. And this is conclusively why I do not like them anymore, why I'm not a fan, what went wrong, and, truth be told, why I'm not surprised that they're going out of business. Now, it's not like the entire chain is going out of business, but they're closing more and more stores. And I don't say this to attack them. I don't say this because I have it out for them. I would love to see them get their act together. I want to see Steak and Shake succeed. And I want to see them find themselves in a better place than they are right now. I really do. I want to see them turn things around and get better. To tell you the truth, I think that they're eventually going to go out of business forever. This article from Business Insider says it best. And this is new. This isn't you know, something that I'm dredging up from 2009, oh, just because I hate them, you know, you're so desperately looking for any negative press. No, this is new. It's from May 12th, 2020. Steak and Shake permanently closes 51 restaurants, continuing the chain's dangerous downward spiral toward bankruptcy. And it's true. Look, they're going downhill fast, 
I want to see them keep their head above water and turn it around, but I don't think that they will. There's a good chance that these are their final days. Right here in the Business Insider article, the hamburger chain's net sales for the first quarter of 2020 were down 60.9 million compared to the first quarter of 2019, a 36.8% year-over-year decrease. If you want to read the whole article, you can go ahead. It's at Business Insider, again titled, Steak and Shake Permanently Closes 51 Restaurants. Continuing the chain's dangerous downward spiral toward bankruptcy. And it's written by Irene Jiang. It's J-I-A-N-G. I apologize for obviously butchering that pronunciation. But let me, let me talk about my experience, not just about what one article says or what another says or what someone from a business viewpoint says. You can look at the statistics, you can look at the numbers, you can see uh, that it was, you know, 36% a decrease year over year, and you can see these numbers. I want to tell you right now, from a consumer and from someone who used to be a rabid fan of theirs, yes, I would go as far as to say that, they were my favorite place. Of all the things that I've eaten, they were my favorite. And I want to tell you right now firsthand why I am now contributing to that percentage in lost sales. Why I don't go there as much anymore. And why, after what happened the other day, I really have no motivation to go back there. I'll just tell you my experience and what, what's changed. So as a little bit of an introduction, let me give you a rundown as to, uh, well, first, how I came to discover Steak and Shake, what they are, for our listeners who may not have any nearby, and um, how, I, how I came to like them, first and foremost. So Steak and Shake is a hamburger restaurant. Uh, you know, the, the name is a little confusing, because you hear Steak, in shake. So, you know, initially you would see that and you'd think steak. Are they like a steakhouse? Do they sell uh, filet mignon? Do they sell filet mignon and um, ribeye and uh, the dreadful New York strip steak? <laughs> I'm never a fan of that cut. Uh, what do they do? No, they serve burgers, hamburgers, no steaks. See, they call it that because they call them a steak burger, right? They claim that they use higher quality beef, higher quality ingredients. Um, resulting in almost like a steak-like um, cut of, of meat. And, you know, obviously it's implying that you're getting higher quality burgers from this establishment, and they also sell milkshakes. That's why they call it steak and shake. You know, a steak, a.k.a. your burger, and shake, your milkshake. And again, they reference all of their burgers as steak burgers. Not that it's really comparable to a steak in any way, shape, or form. That's just what they call it. I first had Steak and Shake back in 2015. First time I ever had it. And right then and there, I was instantly hooked. I mean, right away, I was. I had um, Steak and Shake in the Orlando area a few times, and I really liked it. 
I liked that they had this retro feel to them. That they were like an old school diner that was still maintaining the standards that seemed to have been disappearing in the, the, the food industry, especially the fast food industry. One where I felt and still feel that customer service is in such free fall, such heavy decline, and that the quality of the food is in decline as well. And I liked that Steak and Shake seemed to be an establishment that functioned with dignity, but served a quality product at a good price as well. So, right then and there, I remember at this one I went to, um, you can go drive through, and they served you quickly. When you were there at the drive through, you can get it um, to go very quickly but they got your order right. They gave you a good product and did so in a timely manner. And I remember all the staff were um, very, they, they were, I just liked the appearance too. Not that that really had too much to do with it, but they all had their white um, dress shirts and bow ties and they still had um, nice black pants and they all, they all just looked the part, you know? They all just looked good. They did a good job. So in 2015, that's when I first had them. But it was only a few times, because again, uh, there weren't any that were really accessible in the New York area. Alright, fast forward to 2016. Uh, they had started expanding a little bit into the Carolinas, um, into Virginia, into Appalachia a little bit, and that's when I had my next opportunity to try them. Uh, a new one had opened up in 2016, and it was in a very convenient location. I was able to visit it frequently. And this one was a little longer in terms of how long it took to get the food. But the food quality was still extremely good. I mean, it was delicious. The burgers were juicy, uh, they were succulent, they were just very tasty. The ingredients were fresh, it wasn't a sloppy mess, it was easy to eat, tasted really good. They were just good hamburgers that you could get at a good price. So I really liked it. And there were no complaints. I could get, I recall, a triple hamburger, a burger with three patties, bacon, Lettuce, tomato, ketchup, some fries, and a drink for, I think, like, under $10. I mean, a very good deal for a very tasty, high-quality meal at that. The burger was great. The fries were pretty good, too. They would, you can get it with this Cajun seasoning on it. That just... The fries, you know, were very small, but they, that seasoning gave it an extra boost, an extra kick. And the drink was great, too, because I'd always get a vanilla Coke, and they would get the, the Coca-Cola, and they would actually put, you know, the syrup, the actual vanilla syrup in it, and stir it right there on the spot. So it's not just, like, the synthetic stuff that 
has already been like that. I mean, they just added the vanilla syrup right there, so it was just very, very fresh. Same thing with the cherry Coke. They would do the exact same thing, put the cherry syrup in right there. And it just tasted really good. You know, it was just a really good meal and a really good experience. Now, you might say, uh, you know, I'm listening to you explain this. And I'm listening to you talk about this. And the way you are uh, wistfully reminiscing about this chain makes it sound like, you know, you're some, <laughs> you're some, you know, ancient guy sitting there reminiscing about how, uh, you know, some burger joint uh, from 1963 was or something. You know, come on, this is, this is not even four years ago. And you're, you're acting like it was 50 years ago, you know? What are you trying to get to here? Well, I'm describing it in such a positive light because the decline that has happened is so massive, it may as well have been 50 years ago because it has fallen that much. And yes, that is possible. 100% possible because I've seen it happen right before my very eyes, and I can prove that it's not just one restaurant that's going downhill either. They all are. Every last one of them. And that's the absurd thing about it. It is absurd in a, in a bad way. It's absurd that a place can fall from grace so hard and so fast, and it is absolutely astounding, astoundingly terrible. That's why. I'm not sitting here uh, painting an incorrect picture of it. That's how it literally was. And I am just beyond blown away that it has gone the way that it has, in the span that it has likewise. So that's why. That's your introduction right there. I would very likely say that personally, just for me, not overall, just for me, from my experience, their peak was in 2016, around the time where I probably got publicly at the microphone and to, you know, tens of thousands of listeners, openly said, this is my new favorite restaurant, that it is better than my established favorite, Five Guys, and that Steak and Shake is my favorite. After that point, it started going downhill. Now, as many things do, it's very gradual at first. Think of it as the snowball effect. You start rolling that snowball down the hill, and it starts off very small, very tiny, but it starts building and building, but then it starts getting bigger, and it gains momentum, and it gets bigger and bigger, and it starts collecting more and more and going and going and until it just gets to that point. Right, where from a little snowball, now it's this huge, boulder-sized, you know, this going down, you can't even stop it, even if you wanted to. Right? It was not really giving me any issues for the remainder of 2016. Sure, he would have an issue here and there with maybe at one point, you know, they would get your order wrong or something, but that's excusable. Stuff like that happens at other places all the time. Just because a place doesn't put bacon on your burger that you wanted bacon on doesn't make them any sort of terrible restaurant, right? 
and even in 2017, I would go there regularly. Um, eventually, I, you know, started going to the ones in Florida, and uh, I would go to a variety of different steak and shakes uh, across the state. So it wasn't... The, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I don't want you to think that I only went to one single steak and shake, and that is all I am basing this lecture off of, because that's not the case. If it was, this would be biased and completely inaccurate, because you're just basing an entire assertion uh, over the fate of an entire chain on just one restaurant and its individual performance, but that's not the case. I have gone to, in recent times, probably six or seven different restaurants. And the fact that there are these commonalities between them all, that's the problem. That's the issue. If it was just one, maybe it was just a bad one. But when it's all of them, that's the biggest problem. So anyway, over the years they started having more inconsistencies. I started noticing that the order started getting messed up more and more frequently. You know, this was probably by 2018 now. That now it, it started getting to the point where more often than not, you would get your order, you would have to check it, and you would find some sort of issue with it. I mean, a big issue, right then and there. Or they would give you the wrong order completely, or the wrong drink, or the wrong side, or something. Or they wouldn't give you something and forget about it. And I started noticing this issue again, more and more frequently, until it would get to a point where every time I would go, there would be some sort of mistake. Then, probably by mid-late 2018, I noticed that the quality of the food started going down, and the prices started going up, and that the drink just wasn't as good as it used to be, that the syrup that they put in, the amount would get smaller and smaller, that the fries just would always be cold, that the burger patties would just be a lot smaller, that there would be less and less bacon. Then I started noticing freshness issues, and the food quality just began deteriorating in conjunction with the fact that the orders just started getting more and more incorrect, and the prices started going up. And these problems continued to mount until it just got to that point where it's just gotten really bad. So you can see how you get these things that they start off as small little issues, things that you could easily pass off and say, oh, this happens everywhere. But then it builds and mounts and becomes worse and worse uh, until it gets to the point where it literally sinks the metaphorical ship. Well, at that point, by late 2019, because of these bad experiences that have been adding up, I really stopped going to Steak and Shake on the regular. The video about Steak and Shake I made seven months ago was kind of the last time I was ever trying to be optimistic about them. But since that point, after more bad experiences, I stopped going. And I realized, you know, they're just, they're not what they used to be. 
The food just isn't that good anymore. There's better things out there. And I moved on from them. But at that point in time, I still thought to myself, maybe they'll get better, and maybe if I'm ever in the mood for them, I'll try them out again. There wasn't that final straw until the other day. And that was it. I'm done with them. It's... That's it. That's it. So, here's the backstory. As this coronavirus pandemic continues uh, to rage here in the United States, obviously many places that used to be 24-7 are no longer. And that's another thing that I used to like about Steak and Shake. They were a 24-hour establishment. Most of them were, not all. But a lot of Steak and Shakes were 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And you can get a burger anytime you want. Uh, I remember once going to one at 7 a.m., you know, because I was on the night schedule. So it wasn't like breakfast time for me. I was hungry for, you know, the equivalent of dinner. And I could count on going to Steak and Shake, being able to get my double or triple bacon burger, even at 7 a.m. while everyone else is drinking their coffee. Able to uh, do that. Or you could go at 3 a.m., or 10 a.m., or any time in between, and get whatever you want. Like I'd been saying, the impacts of COVID-19 have been felt far and wide. And of course, this has impacted the restaurant industry, like we talked about in the last show. And obviously, service hours have been reduced. Some places aren't even open yet. Uh, You know, they don't even feel comfortable opening. Or some places just don't have the resources to open anymore. Or some establishments that used to be 24-7 aren't. Um, One case in point that I've seen personally is Denny's. Denny's used to be 24-7. And uh, now at least the ones that I've visited aren't anymore. You know, McDonald's is still going but they're on a much more limited menu. And the list goes on and on. So a couple nights ago, we're going to get some Taco Bell because they usually have um, a very late, a late schedule. They're usually open until some cases 2 a.m. Sometimes they're even 24 seven. But all of the ones that I looked at were closed due to the pandemic. And we're not open at night. And even checking out a few, they were all dark. No one was there. Um, obviously not in business at this current time. I was hungry and I had had um, a snack from McDonald's the other day, so I wasn't really feeling like going there. When I was looking around online for any places that were still open, and I saw a Steak and Shake. Still open 24-7. And I had thought about them, I had thought about the recent, eh, fairly recent experiences with them, you know, the issues, but I thought, you know what, they're 24-7, they're one of the last places that is, let's give Steak and Shake a shot, let's do it, let's revisit them for old time's sake, maybe they'll be good, I was, you know, thinking about the 
burgers I used to get from there and the drink and all that good stuff. And I was thinking, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. So it's around, oh, I'd say 12.45 a.m. Get over to the Steak and Shake. And here's the other thing. This is what really twisted the knife just for (laughs) that extra cherry on top. That this experience occurred at the very same steak and shake that five years previous had been the very first one that I had ever gone to. The whole, the, the one that started it all. The one that gave that outstanding impression to begin with. The very same one. Which is just, you know, that's just the cherry on top. That's not even what did it. It's just one of those in addition to everything else. But got there around uh, 12.45 and saw that there was uh, another car, you know, in front at the drive-thru. So there were obviously people still getting served. Uh, You know, saw the guy there ordering a bit. Um, You know, had like four people in the car. So was, you know, getting a burger for each of them and... uh, they were getting their food, you know, they place the order, they pull ahead up to the, up to the takeout window. And, um, you know, now it's time to place my order. So I get the usual. I get what I, uh, what I always get. Um, I used to get the triple burger, but now I get the double because my appetite just isn't, I, you know, I don't need that much food anymore. So I, I don't need a triple burger. I just need the double one. So I got my double steak burger with bacon, lettuce, tomato, and ketchup. Now I think that's a pretty simple burger. All right, two patties, bacon, lettuce, tomato, and ketchup. That's all you need. No big deal, I don't think that's a complicated order. And uh, I got some fries with the Cajun seasoning and a vanilla Coke. Okay, sounds good. Simple order. Uh, they say, yeah, you know, we're just, uh, you know, we, we just have a couple orders uh, ahead of you. So uh, if you're okay with a, a 10 to 15 minute wait, um, if you're okay with that, then uh, please pull up to the window. I said, sure, 10, 15 minutes, that's no big deal. You know, I actually, until this point, I was feeling optimistic. I thought to myself, wow. Um, you know, they're polite enough to even let me know that there might be a little bit of a wait. Getting the order. Uh, it sounds good. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I pull up to the window. Pay. And they say, okay. Um, while we're preparing your order, uh, could you please just pull ahead to, uh, you know, this spot. And we'll, we'll walk it out to you. We'll bring, we'll bring you the order. And uh, everything will be good. Okay, sounds good. I was looking, I saw three other cars, you know, two that had already ordered before I got there, and then the one with the four guys in it who were ordering when I had gotten there. All right, so they were in the spot closest to where I was, and then a little further away, I saw two other cars that were also waiting for the food. So there were four cars in total who had orders, and, you know, again, were waiting for their food to be brought out to them. So I thought, okay, that makes sense. You know, 15 minute wait, 
10, 15 minutes. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Well, that's when it all started going downhill. So I decided to start passing the time. All right, listened to the radio a little bit, checked my phone, managed some emails, played a little bit of solitaire, no big deal. And again, I had gotten there by around 12.45. Now, I had gotten lost, you know, just again in browsing things, looking up at, at um, the emails, listening to some good music that was on the radio, etc. I look up at the clock, and I see that it's 1.10. Wow. 25 minutes? Already? I was surprised at that point. I thought, wow, that's strange. They said it was, you know, just a 10 to 15 minute wait. And I was looking and I saw that the other three cars were still there waiting and that there were no other cars that had shown up yet. And there was no one inside the restaurant, no one eating or anything. I don't even know if they have the dining room open, to tell you the truth. I thought, wow, that's really strange. I mean, it's, uh, that's odd. But, I mean, whatever, maybe they're just, I don't know, maybe it was a big order in front of me or something, who knows? But, all right, well, that's fine, you know, I'm enjoying the music, it's it's going to be okay. Um, no big deal, right? Ten more minutes go by. I've been sitting there now for 35 minutes. Nothing. No one has come out for any sort of order? No food, no drinks, no activity. I'm seeing the four guys that were in front of me where they're kind of getting a little antsy. You know, maybe they had somewhere to go. I see them, one guy is kind of sticking his head out the window, kind of looking toward the restaurant. Uh, the other two guys, I see the one one other car, you know, his window's rolled down and I kind of see his hand kind of tap it on the side of his car, you know, just kind of, you know, obviously wants to get this over with. Everyone's kind of getting a little impatient because who knows how long those other two cars might have been waiting. So, finally, about five more minutes later, so now I guess it's been about 40 minutes, I've just been sitting there. And when you're aware of the time and you're really starting to track it now, then it really starts getting to you. And that's when your patience might wear thin. Finally, I see this guy walk out. And he's the chef. You can tell because I see he's got black pants, the um, double-breasted white chef's coat, and even had the big poofy white uh, chef's hat on. He walks out, and he has a huge amount of food. I mean, you know, he's carrying it with both arms, these big bags. Um, I would say four bags of, of food. Now that makes sense, there's four cars there. He has four bags of food, right? He walks over to one car, gives them one bag. All right, that guy had his meal, okay, that's good. You see, he's just gonna work his way around to each car. That's why it took so long, you know, because they made the food for, I guess, all the cars and they're just bringing them out at once and that's gonna be that. Not the best strategy if you ask me, but if it works, it works. 
So, he gives the one car the bag, and that guy already kind of, you know, takes off. So there's three cars. He walks over to the second one now, and there's one single person in this car, and gives him everything he's got. These three giant bags of food. Probably like the equivalent of, <laughs> you know, probably ten burgers and meals and everything. And gives this guy everything. And I could tell that the guy is a little confused, but, you know, it was kind of like, ah, I'll take it, I guess. So the guy gives him this immense quantity of food. And then he leaves. And he goes back into the restaurant. So the guy who got all this food is just kind of confused a little bit, but the guy who gave it to him just told him to have it. So, takes all the food and heads out. So, now it's just me and the one car that ordered ahead with the four guys in it. There's no one behind us, no one else ordering, no one going into the place, and that's it. Five more minutes goes by. 45 minutes. No further activity. Well, we're thinking, all right, well, um, maybe that guy just ordered a ton of food. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was, you know, feeding his family or something. Or maybe he's like a competitive eater or something. Who knows? Uh, obviously, you know, they're going to come out at some point. I mean, we're the only customers. Just these two cars. So obviously they're making them right now, and that's going to be it, right? Then I see, as I'm kind of thinking this, the same guy, you know, in the chef's hat and everything, riding past on his bike, out into the street, and off into the darkness, uh, out into the night. Away he goes. He's done. He's off. He's gone. He's going home. That's it. Now he is gone. And we're thinking, well, that's really weird. I mean, the guy who's supposed to be making this is just gone like that? What's, uh, what's going on? Five more minutes passes, nothing. No cars, no customers, no staff, no activity, nothing. Now, at this point, seeing that this huge bag of food is given to this one car, and the guy who prepares the food is just out of there, he's gone and there's nothing else, you start piecing things together and realizing, wait a minute, they messed up and they gave both of our orders, everything that the car in front was supposed to get and everything that I was supposed to get to this one car. And obviously the guy who took all the food didn't care, free food for him, and the staff didn't care enough to even check, and uh, that was it. And now the cook is gone, and... uh they gave away, they gave away all the food. They gave it all away to the wrong person. So now those, those four guys, I mean, they were starting, you know, they were already worked up before. And now they're really, they're getting very irate. I see the one driver, he uh, slams his car door, he gets out. And these are big guys, too. I mean, I'm not saying, like, they're little, you know, like, they're my size or anything. No, I mean, these are big guys. Um, 
and they aren't, they're not the type that, that's going to take this crap. So, the one guy is slamming his door, he's walking around, another guy gets out too. They're, they're very annoyed, you can just tell by their body language. And uh, they, they say, you know, they're going to go in, they're going to go in and see what's going on. These two guys walk in to the restaurant. And next thing you know, they, they come out <laughs> just in this, in this fury. And one guy puts his hands up in there. He says, they gave away our food. You know, he's angry. He, and that, so for those of you who thought maybe you're just jumping the conclusions. No, I mean, the guy, they literally gave it all away. And um, they're talking for a bit. Two guys go back in. And um, then after about a minute, they walk back out, slam their door shut, and they just take off. They're just, I guess they're so done with it. I hope they got a refund, but they're just through with it. So now it's just me. And I think, well, boy, yeah, this is this is certainly going to end well. So much for uh, Steak and Shake getting any better. I finally take a look in, and there's just two employees in there who aren't making anything. No food is being prepared. There's none out. Nothing's being done. And they were just completely fine with giving it away. And uh, just, that's it. So, I go in, mention the issue. Like, these two guys are shocked that I'm actually saying something. Like, they thought I would have just already taken off and just, you know, sure, I'm fine with losing this money and not getting any food. You know, it's it's like I just, I let them know. I say, oh, oh okay, all right, we'll make something. All right, yeah, just, just wait a bit more. So, some more time passes. Now I've been waiting there for an hour. Still no new customers, no new cars, nothing. And finally, the guy walks out with the food gives it to me. And let's just say, after having waited an hour, the quality of the food was probably the worst I've had from them yet. <laughs> the uh, vanilla, <laughs> Coca-Cola, if you want to call it that, had enough vanilla syrup in it for about one sip where it was barely discernible, and that was it. The Cajun fries had no Cajun seasoning on them whatsoever. And my double burger with bacon, lettuce, tomato, and ketchup had no bacon, no tomato, a little bit of lettuce, and tons and I mean absolutely tons of mayonnaise to the point where it was just this drenched, disgusting, soggy mess with these two little patties on it. I couldn't finish it. It was just that gross. And it was terrible quality food. 
terrible experience. Just god-awful. And as a result, of all the bad experiences that had happened over the years, at that point I realized, you know, I haven't been here in months, and it's just gotten worse. I thought it was already getting bad. I was mistaken. Because back then it was bad, even at that point where I wasn't a fan of it anymore. It was bad, but it was still tolerable. Right, there's a difference. Bad, but still tolerable, meaning, yeah, it has all these issues that are just mounting and causing more and more problems, but at least if you get something, you're still going to be able to eat it. You're still going to be able to consume it. You're not going to sit there for an hour and get some garbage. It's still going to be edible. Might not taste as good as it once did, but at least you'll get something that you can eat. But now it's just awful in every single way. Awful. And I've looked up reviews. I've looked up reviews recently of more steak and shakes. Some of the ones that I used to frequent, they're all going downhill too. The ones across uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Appalachia, that were starting to open up a couple years ago, are already closed. They're already shut down. And then after this experience, I find out 50 more steak and shakes are shutting down, they're hemorrhaging money, they're losing business, and then, not to be impolite, but I think to myself, gee, I wonder why. Steak and shake, I say this directly to you with full and total sincerity. I had been a fan of your chain, a big fan, to the point where it was my favorite place to eat. And I wish, and I long for a time when that quality will return. Because it was a great place, and I would love to see success come your way again. And I have nothing personally against you as a chain or as a restaurant. It's just distressing, disappointing, and truth be told, depressing to see such a decline happen to a place that I used to regard so highly. And you have my full support. If you guys get this sorted out, address these issues and are able to turn it around, and that quality comes back, be more than happy to come back as a regular and very supportive consumer and customer at that. And I just hope that one day you guys will sort things out before it gets to the point of no return, if it isn't there already. Because with no offense, I, I really don't know how much worse it can get. I really, I, I don't, I can't even tell you because I, I don't know. I think we've already reached that point. But I hope that 
one day before bankruptcy and shutting down permanently becomes the only option, which it just seems that's, that's coming closer and closer and closer. That I hope that there will be a time when you guys do realize the issues, take the incentive, sort them out, and bring it back to that quality that it was even just a few years ago. Please address these issues because I know for a fact I'm not the only customer that's that's seeing this, that's experiencing this. The numbers tell it like it is. And I hope things get better for you because it's disheartening. So that's my story about Steak and Shake and how they've kind of fallen from one of my favorites how they've ended up at this point. Take it as a lesson. If you want a place to succeed and stay good, you need to maintain the standards. It is essential. Absolutely essential. You're listening in to VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Any feedback is welcome to VORWINFO at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts or a steak and shake related experiences, you can share them again to VORWINFO at gmail.com. Well, I got that off my chest. Let's get into a, let's get into a couple more discussion topics. So that was the um, steak and shake story. Now, going into the rest of the show, we're just going to get into some emails, pretty much just some general talk, whatever. Anything, anything we want to talk about. Everything is open. We're just going to go for it. Uh, one interesting thing, as a little, let me look. I want to make sure it's the right word for it. Addendum is the right word for it. To the, uh, the steak and shake story that I just want to talk about right now. I don't care how much time this takes. Who, who knows? Who, who cares? Um, so the other day, you know, because like I was kind of foreshadowing, I recorded the whole steak and shake, you know, bit a couple days ago. And the other day, I went over to this one chain called Freddy's. Of all, of all places, it was called Freddy's. Now, I've never been there before, okay? I've seen it, but I've never been there. And Freddy's, let's... See, you're going to see where I tie this in. F-R-E-D-D-Y-S. See, it's it's a different, different chain. And it's called Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. And there's a couple in Florida. Not a lot. Well, let's look. Let's look for the heck of it. No, not a lot. I mean a couple. Orlando, Tampa, you got a couple. Where else do we have them? We got one in Ocala, Ocala, Florida, uh, up in Jacksonville. Okay, there's a couple. There's more than I thought. See, because I'd never heard of them before. Freddy's, frozen custard and steak burgers. And it reminded me a lot, at least of the marketing appeal of um, Culver's. You know, because Culver's is the exact same type of deal where they have their butter burgers. See, now not steak burgers, they're butter, uh, butter. Boop, butter burgers, right, with the butter. And, um, 
And then there's Freddy's. Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. Where are they headquartered out of? Let's look. Fast casual restaurant based in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. 380 locations. Wow. All right. They're legit. They are legitimate. Founded in 02. Okay. Fairly new. In 2011, it opened its 50th store in Victorville, California, 100th store in Bowling Green, Kentucky in 2013, 150 in uh, 2015 in Loveland, Colorado, 300th in Indianapolis, Indiana in March 2018. So they're expanding. And they plan on expanding to the Middle East, to the UAE, to Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Oman, and Qatar. So that's great. Okay. That's fantastic. So Freddy's. I always looked at the sign. Because I've you know, seen them a couple of times. But I've never went. And I would get them confused with Friendly's. Okay. Now you might be saying, well, Friendly's, Freddy's, right? That's kind of sounds similar, doesn't it? But even more so, because you look. Look, if you really want to do this. Google, let me look, I've spelt it the wrong way. There we go. You look at the, the restaurant chain Friendly's and look at their logo. Now, if you have the free time, go for it right now. Waste some time. Look up Friendly's, the restaurant chain, look at their logo. And then look up Freddy's and look up their logo. And you're going to see they are very similar. Because, number one, it sounds similar, Friendly's, Freddy's. But number two, they're both written um, in usually, like, red or white text in cursive. So it looks very, very similar. But they are different. And, you know, Friendly's... Friendly's is one of those chains that I've really... I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss them, because I do. You know, when I was growing up, there were lots of Friendly's restaurants. I used to go there all the time. Friendly's. I would always go there. I would always get... Well, when I was young, I would get the Friendly Frank, their um, hot dog. And then I moved on to their chicken tenders. One item from Friendly's. I'm not talking about Freddy's. I'm talking about Friendly's, the place I got them confused with at first. I would always go there, and I always really liked their kicking buffalo chicken sandwich. And then they got rid of it. You know, they got rid of it. So, then I moved to the kicking buffalo chicken tenders. And, I mean, it's good. It's just, you know, your, your chicken tenders, your buffalo uh, chicken tenders, but they were good. And, uh, you know, Friendly's was really going through some tough times. I mean, I'm looking right now from Forbes. I filed for bankruptcy back in 2011, but I mean, they're still, still going. You know, people know them for their ice cream, but I don't really... Look, I'm not going to take shots at them. I don't really care about their ice cream. I was there for the food. But it's just a... It's just a shame. You know, they've really gone downhill. Now, not in terms, okay? Not in terms of their food quality or service quality... But just economically, I don't know, it's just, you know, it's just gone downhill for them. 
And that's just a sad case of a successful place, at least in terms of their product, that I really liked just going downhill. You know, they're mostly based in New England. And, I mean, I remember from my area in New York, when I was young, I could easily get to seven friendlies. You know, at any given time, there were at least seven that I could go to within reasonable distance. Now I think there's only one, and that's it. Six of them have closed. And it's a shame. They're a good restaurant. I hope that one stays open for a very long time, because they are good. There's like one or two friendlies restaurants here in Florida, but I just haven't... You know, the, the reviews are a little iffy. It looks like there's two. I think there's one in Orlando and one somewhere on the East Coast. But the reviews are mixed, but maybe I'll give it a shot one day. I don't know. But, um, you know, when I first saw the place Freddy's, I was a little, uh, I thought it was Friendly's. I thought, well, there was a, I never knew there was a Friendly's here. And then I look, I saw, no, Fred, Freddy's. Oh, it's a different place, you know, it's, that's why I got a little sidetracked. But Freddy's is not trying to compete with friendlies in any way, shape, or form. It's two totally different things. If there's a place they're trying to compete with, it's Culver's very, very easily. Because Culver's does the butter burgers and frozen custard. Freddy's does burgers, the steak burgers, and frozen custard. It's like they're trying to compete a little bit with steak and shake and a little bit with uh, Culver's. Anyway, I finally bit the bullet and I tried out Freddy's. Gave it a shot. And you know, each place has its own different way of doing things. See, that's the thing you gotta realize, that these places, they all do a burger differently, okay? Right, you have Culver's that lightly butters buns. See, they call it a butter burger, but it's really not. Like, when I when I hear the word butter burger, I think of this one place in Wisconsin called Ollie's. I believe that's what it's called. Let me look. I just don't want to give the wrong name and say something, you know? Now, see, I'm glad I looked it up. It was Sally's. That's what it was. See, Sally's, Ollie's, right? Isn't that... Look, that's an excusable error, I think. But that place, see, if you want to look it up, and I'll tell you the truth, I don't mind if you put a little bit of, of butter on the bun, okay? Sometimes I think it adds a little bit of flavor. I'm not a big mayo fan, though, I'll tell you that. You know, lately, I've been on a Burger Kick, and I've been getting some Burger King. I always tell them, oh, I want the Whopper, but no mayo. No mayo. Don't like that mayo. But a little butter is fine here and there. I think it sometimes does good for the, the bun. Just gives it a little more flavor, you know? But when I think of a butter burger, you know, if you're going to explicitly say that it is a butter burger, the, the image that is invoked is of this place in Wisconsin called Sally's Burger. Google it, Sally's Butter Burger, that's S-O-L-L-Y-S, and it, uh, it's gross. See, I look at this right now, I'm looking at this, and it does not, 
it doesn't make me want to eat this. Because, now look, people like what people like, you know. The other thing that I was kind of mentioning at the beginning that maybe I didn't ex explicitly say is that you can't please everyone, but man, do I wish that on certain things, certain things, you know, you can't really, it's inexcusable, but certain things, I wish we didn't have to see eye to eye on everything and still get along. I wish that for humanity, I don't care. I'm not a sociable person, but just for humanity. But like this, it's like, look, when I see these butter burgers from this restaurant here, it disgusts me. It's like, this is gross. I'm not going to eat that. But if you want to eat this three times a day, that's on you. I don't care. Go for it. I don't, I don't think any less of you as a person if you like the way it is. But personally, I look at these butter burgers from Sally's and they're like so... Well, look for yourself. You get the, the burger. I remember there was this video that, that I remember seeing posted and I, I checked it out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, gotta be kidding me, you know, but it was the real deal. This is what I think of when you see a butter burger, though. It's like you take a burger, and you cut the whole stick of butter at least in half, and you put the entire stick of butter, you just slam it on the, the top of the patty, and that's it. And then it just, you know, drips, of course, into this pool. It's like, I, I you know, it's too much. Too much. I would like it very lightly buttered, not with half of the stick of the butter on it. Sometimes I think they even put the whole stick of butter, and you know, a stick of butter, that's a lot. You don't need any more than a tiny, 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 tiny little sliver, because butter, look, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. Little goes a long way. But certain things, of course, require more, you know, like baking, etc. But I they just put the whole stick... I'm looking at this picture right now. Really, I can't believe my eyes. It's like there's the, the the butter that's on the top is thicker than the beef patty. But hey, us mere mortals aren't meant to understand it, I guess. Hey, people like what people like. I just seems too much. You know, again, like what they like, whatever. But when I think of butter burgers, you know, that's what I um what I think of instinctively. But Culver's isn't like that. It's just very, very lightly. Sometimes I can't even tell there's any butter on it. But anyway, I went over to this Freddy's place. Whenever I go to a place the first time, sometimes I'll just try their established, you know, classic. What are they known for, right? What's the selling point? You know, what draws people to, to this place? So I got a burger. I think it was called, like, their original double. Two patties. Let's look at their menu. I don't want to get this wrong. What do we got? Oh, here's their map of locations. Okay. Locations across the Deep South, the West, the Midwest. Uh, the states that there are no locations. Alright, this makes sense when I never heard of them. Nothing in New England. Nothing in New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland... West Virginia. Uh, no locations in Wisconsin. See, they're not messing around with Culver's territory. Um, nothing in the Dakotas, nothing in Washington or Oregon. Nothing in Alaska, and nothing in Hawaii. 
But every other state apparently has a Freddy's. But anyway, it's not like this is the best place ever. It's just talk, you know, I'm just shooting the breeze. All right, what was that? Original double, that was the one. Two steak burger patties, cheese, mustard, onion, and pickle on a toasted bun. So see, they do the mustard. Mustard, pickles, and onions. Gotta say, I was a fan of it. You know, usually I'm like a ketchup type of guy with the burgers. But went with the mustard, and it was good. A little tang that it gives, it was pretty solid. And the pickles, I gotta tell you, were... You know, they, it was interesting. I liked them, though. I liked them. So, yeah. Freddy's was good. And why I compare this to Steak and Shake is because after I tried Freddy's, it immediately reminded me of how the Steak and Shake burgers used to be. Not necessarily with the mustard or anything, because, again, I'm always a ketchup person. But just the quality of it. The efficient service and the quality of the burgers at a good price. So when I had that, it just brought back those memories of when it was better. You know, when, when Steak and Shake was better, like this is how it used to be. So I'm gonna go to Freddy's again, you know, I'm gonna hit them up again in a couple days probably, have a snack, um, because they're good. You know, they deserve the business, they're a good place. And I wanna see them succeed. Steak and Shake, their fate is probably sealed. I want to see a time where they can get back even to the level of Freddy's here. But, um, they've just fallen so far. So, yeah, Freddy's is solid. Freddy's is, um, is decent. And yeah, just, it just reminds me of, of Steak and Shake when they used to be decent. So, that's why. But every place has their own different way of doing things. You know, it's not like they were a ripoff of any other place. Because they do it their way. Culver's does it their way. Steak and Shake just <laughs> puts some slop together and does it their way. You know, every place does it differently. And you like what you like. So, yeah, they're good. They are good. All right, everybody. We're going to get into uh, the mailbag. Actually, nah, let me talk about radio for a quick minute. Not really much going on in that medium, so... You know, that's why. It's like... If I don't have anything to talk about, then why bother? But there's a couple quick things, real, real quick. Uh, in the world of shortwave, just a couple, you know, updates real quick. Um, one of China Radio International's frequencies to North America in the mornings is, uh, has been off the air for um, a while. It's been gone for the last several weeks. And um, no replacement or anything, so... China Radio might have discontinued their North American broadcasts... ...in the morning. Now we'll see what happens. But it looks like it's gone for now. To tell you the truth, I never listened to their uh, North American service anymore. You might say, why are you saying that? Do you have something against China? No. Because the transmitter that they use... ...was a broken piece of garbage in Cuba that was probably sitting there since the, you know, the 1950s or 60s. It was just a piece of junk. It sounded awful. The sound quality was dreadful. And uh, most of the time it was just, the signal was strong, 
but the audio was so low and distorted, like, you could listen very, you know, you could be so determined and you still wouldn't be able to understand what they're saying, you know, every couple words, because it's just, the audio quality was that bad. Now, China Radio International usually does a good job with their broadcasts, quality-wise. Uh, they have more transmitters in China than you could count. Because China is one of the last countries that actually cares about shortwave radio. It's used very extensively domestically. Um, you know, there's probably millions of people in the countryside across China that still listen to shortwave like people here listen to AM. So, I mean, it's extensively used. And you know that it's listened to also because they make an active effort to jam any Western broadcasters. You know, if no one's listening, are you really going to jam it? Are you really going to expend the massive, massive, massive effort that they could do to jam all of these broadcasts if there's zero listeners? You know? But they jam the BBC, the VOA, they jam religious broadcasts, they jam political broadcasts, they jam All India Radio. You know, every Western broadcaster gets jammed. And they have, you know, dozens and probably hundreds of high-power transmitters that are just for jamming. They play this, like, metallic grinding sound over the other frequency so that, you know, people in China, right, they might hear the BBC really weak, but mostly they're just going to hear this metallic grinding sound because the transmitter is just, you know, closer and just more concentrated on uh, domestic uh, mainland China. It's going to jam it out. And uh, sometimes they play other stuff, Chinese music, and sometimes they just relay their national radio over it. So people just hear the Chinese talking over anything else. But anyway, that's domestically. Internationally, they they really focus on their broadcasts, mostly to Asia, uh, Africa, Europe, and the Middle East, where they have these 500,000 watt transmitters in China, dozens and dozens of them, and they broadcast in pretty much any language you could imagine, anything. I mean, you pretty much name it, and, uh, you know, they've got it, practically. That's the thing. People are like, oh, I turn on the radio and all I hear is uh, China Radio International. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, that's what, <laughs> you know, that's what you hear. Like, for instance, it's going through this schedule, like, just a couple frequencies. They broadcast in Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, English, Turkish, Serbian, Cantonese, Spanish, Italian, French, Thai, Laotian, um... Albanian, Russian, Mongolian, Hungarian, Hindi, uh, Persian, Czech, you know, and it just goes on and on. Um, and Nepali, Hungarian, Croatian, even Esperanto, if you believe that. They actually do. Urdu, you know, you get what I'm saying. Pretty much any major language and they have a service for it. It's not really to keep the world informed, it's just a form of, of soft power. You know, look that up, diplomacy-wise, soft power, that's what they're doing, that's what CRI is there for. It's for these people, you know, 
And it might not be a lot, but I suppose it adds up. Because they're on a thousand frequencies, too. With so much coverage, people are going to hear them. You know, there might be some guy in Nepal tuning around on his radio set, and you might hear some faint signal, you know, from India, can't really pick it up, and he's trying to find broadcasts he can understand. What station does he find blasting in? Crystal clear. China Radio International. And you might think, wow, I live in this area, I can't even hear my own government's radio station. This is the one source of news that I can get from this country that I guess must care enough about me to be willing to provide this. You see, it has a, an impact that way, and that's who they're trying to reach, largely. Also done, of course, to provide a, a Chinese uh, government perspective on current events. You know, China Radio covers, again, those parts of the world very, very well. As a matter of fact, they actually renewed their focus to Africa, and they repaired a transmitting station in Mali, uh, refurbished the two transmitters, got them back on the air, and now they have, you know, 20 broadcasts from Africa to Africa to get better coverage to listeners there. But, you know, listeners in Europe can usually get the signals direct from China. But here in North America, it's a bit tougher. So they had a relay station in Albania that had these pretty powerful transmitters, about 300,000 watts, and they would beam them from Albania over to the United States. So, you know, during the day, you'd be able to tune in and you could pick them up in English, um, Spanish, and Portuguese. They also broadcast Portuguese, I guess down to Brazil, but you could pick it up here also. But then last year, there was an earthquake in Albania that made a little bit of the news, not much, but you know, it was talked about for like 15 minutes. And their transmitter in Albania got damaged and it's never been on the air since. I, I have a feeling that they just scrapped it. I mean, the damage must have been really bad because if they were willing to track all the way over to Mali from mainland China and repair these transmitters that really haven't been touched in years. If they were willing to do that, I have a feeling that the one in Albania must have just been damaged beyond repair. It must have just, who knows, maybe the ceiling of the facility caved in during the earthquake and it was just destroyed or something. It has to be. Because it hasn't been on the air since then, and they haven't even tried. So, that broadcast was gone. And that was a shame because that's the one I would usually listen to because it, it was a good transmitter. It had very, very good audio fidelity, very good quality, and a good signal too. Now, they always supplemented that with a transmitter out of Cuba for, um, I guess, enhanced coverage of North America. But that transmitter, like I said earlier, is just a, such a piece of garbage. Like, the thing is, is ancient... It's in terrible shape, and the audio quality is just awful. And it used to broadcast, you know, on a couple frequencies in the evenings and in the mornings for the U.S., but it's just unlistenable. You can't... It used to be decent a couple years ago, but the thing has just gotten worse and worse, and now I guess it must have broke. So I, I doubt they're going to repair that either, so no real good coverage from 
China radio anymore here in the U.S., which um, is a shame. I didn't always care for everything they had to say, but they had some good programs, and it's, you know... There are times where I would still be able to hear some of their broadcasts, but it's just... The frequencies they use direct from China are intended for other parts of the world. So, like, in certain times, I might be able to catch a little bit of very, you know, distant reception, but nothing that I could just plop the radio down on the counter and just leave on. Eh, it's a shame. So, you know, the one the one program of theirs that I really miss is actually the one in the mornings that I haven't been able to listen to for a while because it was on this bad transmitter. It was on 9570 kilohertz. And it was this show, I don't even remember, it was called Chinese Theater. That's what it was. And you might think like, oh, so was it like a Chinese, um, you know, opera program? Because such a thing is real. No, not at all. It wasn't even theatrics. It has nothing to do with literature or stage or any of that. Um, <laughs> it was a radio drama. And it was a very, very vulgar show. They claimed that it was supposed to be a representation of what life in China is really like. <laughs> and it's like, I can't believe they actually financed this, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I can't actually believe like that, that there's actually a group of people, you know, from the Chinese government that actually sit around every single day and they record a new one every day that actually gathers around the microphones and actually does this. And then they actually have a crew that mixes it together and adds sound effects and music and everything. Like, I cannot believe the production value of something like this. Because it's like this very vulgar show. It's usually... You know, sometimes they have storylines, and sometimes they start new ones and end others, but usually it's about uh, people in the big cities in China, either A, living their uh, Wolf of Wall Street-esque lives with lots of sex, lots of drugs, and lots of screwing other people over. Like, that's the plot. I'm dead... I'm not even kidding you. And they usually don't refrain from profanity. I mean, I've heard many, many, many uncensored four-letter words on that show. Um, and other times it's like about someone who maybe is from the Chinese countryside and goes to the big city, or someone in the city who has um, family out there and visits them. But usually it's about something like that and all of the, <laughs> all of the stuff that, that ensues. But that's why I would listen to it, because it's like when I first tuned in, you know, it was introduced by usually their uh, newsreaders, and I was thinking, like, they describe it as um, an insightful program uh, describing the uh, ordinary lives of Chinese citizens. <laughs> like, that's how they describe it. And I was thinking, oh, this cool. It might be a cultural show or something. And then I think, I think that one was about a, a plot. There were two plots in the first show I heard. I'll never forget it. It was... The first one was two guys in Beijing who were businessmen who were, I guess, going on a coke binge. <laughs> and um, the second plot line was, I guess, about their, their girlfriends who were out trying to get abortions. And that's it. That was a 30-minute show. 
complete with dialogue and music and sound effects and everything. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wait a minute, is this real? Is this sure enough? Now, maybe it's gotten tamer over the years. I don't know, because it's been a while since I've heard it, but especially in 2017, I listen regularly. Like, every morning I would tune in because it was just entertainment. Couldn't believe it. But, uh... Last I checked, it was still going, but who knows? I mean, for all I know, maybe there wasn't really any, you know, oversight from the real tough higher-ups, and maybe it was supposed to be, like, a cultural show, and instead, you know, the producer was just having fun with it and thought, eh, no one's really paying attention, I'm just gonna do what I want with this, and uh, everyone seems fine with it, so, you know, no regrets, but I don't know. So it's a shame, because I'd always come on in the mornings on that frequency over here, I think it was also syndicated on other frequencies, you know, for Africa and Europe and all of that, but those are still going, it's just the one that I could pick up is gone, so hopefully that will return so I can listen to Chinese theater with a good signal. Yeah, I kind of say that. I hope it comes back, though. It's I, I appreciate the perspective, anyway, in their news and all that. Again, don't see eye to eye on everything, but I'm always interested in what China has to say, and I don't think they're... The worst enemy ever. I don't have anything against the people of China, etc. I have some problems with the coronavirus, etc. But again, they're not, you know, some people kind of sarcastically say literally Satan or anything. Otherwise, it looks like one of Radio Romania's transmitters is out of service temporarily. So some of their broadcasts to North Africa, it looks like are going to be impacted, but Radio Romania, they are a good station. And I guess unlike China, Radio International, when Radio Romania has an issue, uh, they are always quick to fix it. I mean, they do a good job and they work to maintain their transmitters and, and they do it. So they're going to get to the bottom of that and they're going to get that transmitter back into service. I know they will. So that's not a cause for concern. Um, because with some stations, it's like they literally operate until there's a technical issue, and then that's it. They don't have the resources or the finances or whatever to um, get back on the air, and that's it. They're done. Whereas some stations do. Radio Romania is one of them. They do a good job. They keep their stuff in tip-top shape and keep it going. But like I was reading about one station that I really wish I was able to hear it. It was one station that for years I wanted to catch, but it just it was never able to propagate over here. It was a low-power religious station, but it was out of Micronesia, which is, you know, island in the Pacific. It was just a very, very rare catch for listeners outside of the Pacific. But, you know, don't you think? A big cyclone came through, damaged their station, and they just never had the finances to get it back on the air on the shortwave. So they went online only. But, you know, there's some good news here and there. Station in, um, Papua New Guinea, uh, that's actually owned by a private mining company, I guess for, like, the remote, you know, workers out in the mines over there in, in Papua New Guinea. Which, that country is still dependent on shortwave. They still use it extensively because it's so remote, it's so rural, and the infrastructure still just isn't there. So it's still used widely there. But this one station that's set up, I guess, for, like, remote 
miners over there. Um, was off the air for a couple years, but someone received confirmation that I guess the mining company got a new CEO, and that CEO wants to start that up again. So, yeah, they'll be back, which is good. Good to see something new there. And otherwise, Radio Exterior de España has finally resumed its foreign language broadcast. So now they're broadcasting again in English, French, and Portuguese because due to um, the coronavirus lockdowns, they were only syndicating their national radio. But uh, the foreign language services are back, and uh, that's good to see. So listeners in North America tune in to, uh, I guess, 96, 90 kilohertz um, at around, I think, 6 p.m., I think it is for rather English service and it's pretty good I always like that and it's something something good to listen to so that's good otherwise I was able to uh well number one thank you so much to uh, everyone who submitted the Russian and Japanese recordings for the one broadcast of mine uh, I was able to verify reception very weak into some parts of Japan but the signal's definitely there and it seems to have fared a little bit better into uh, eastern Russia. And uh, surprisingly enough, it was actually hitting uh, New Zealand and Australia pretty good. So uh, any listeners out there in Australia, New Zealand, I think I've got some good news for you. I found a frequency in my show that you could finally listen in. And I think you're actually going to get um, results. I, I actually think you are. So... Listeners in uh, Australia, New Zealand, if you got a radio, you're finally going to be able to get good reception. Let me give you a time right now, a time and frequency. Let me just get it right. Okay. I'm just looking up a converter for the time zones, because again, I don't want to screw this up. It's the, that's the last thing I ever want to do. So, Okay. For listeners in, uh, let's say, you know, Sydney, Australia, um, you know, on Australian Eastern Standard Time, you could tune in at 6 p.m. local time every Tuesday. So Tuesday at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, tune in on the frequency of 7730 kilohertz that's 7.730 megahertz 7730 kilohertz at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday or on 5850 kilohertz at 6 p.m. so 5850 or 7730 it's two frequencies at once uh, 6 p.m. in uh, New South Wales uh, for listeners in Western Australia, uh, that will come down to 4 p.m. Australian Western Standard Time every Tuesday. And for listeners in New Zealand, let's say in Auckland, New Zealand, um, that would be 8 p.m. every Tuesday, New Zealand Standard Time. So, yeah, there you have it. Two frequencies, I was able to verify this, I got positive confirmation, um, especially 7730, it was coming in really clear. I mean, like, totally listenable, not weak or anything, I mean, it was good signal. In uh, New Zealand, blasting in 
and uh, really good into Australia. So listeners there, two frequencies, it should be great. Um, and even a little further north, uh, 7730 was actually, uh, at least according to the reception maps, uh, getting into Papua New Guinea good of all places. So who knows? I'll, all I could imagine is someone, you know, in some remote village there fiddling around with a radio and coming across the show there. Who knows? If it's there and listenable, you never know. Someone might stumble upon it one day. Well, that's about it for uh, updates and everything there. And um, with that, let's get into some emails. Reception uh, feedback for those broadcasts, by the way, is welcome. Uh, let me know how it's coming in. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And um, otherwise, you got anything to say, go for it. Give it a shot. Give it a go. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's what the rest of this show is going to be. Going to get to some emails. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's the way you can get in touch with the show, get in touch with the broadcast. Share your two cents. Go rant if you want. I will listen. I will be open ears. Or if I have any questions, comments, anything on the uh, more lighthearted side, go for it. It'd be great. Everything going on. And with that, any fan art can be sent to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com as well, and I'll feature it in the broadcast. So with that, let's get into some of our emails right now. We have lots of uh, correspondence that I want to get to today, so without further ado, let's, uh, let's just get right into it, shall we? First up, we have an email coming in... Let's just pick a random one, how about it? We have, right now I have 50 emails that I want to get to today. So let's just start, you got to start somewhere. Let's start with this one. We have an email coming in from Haley. She says, hey John, listening to the podcast on YouTube right now. Uh, Thank you for reading the previous email on the air. It made my day when I heard it. Uh, I just bought a mug off of your store, and I can't wait until it arrives. So uh, thank you. No, it's a, that's a great way to support this. Uh, so thank you. All right, two questions. One, I just got done finishing two shows. One from when you lived in New York, and then other from Florida. You talked about the severe weather that happens in both, and I was wondering which kind of severe weather you prefer having to deal with. For example, I live in North Texas that gets tornadoes, and although it's scary, I would rather take my chances with a tornado versus living down by Houston and having the chance of being in a hurricane. Obviously, neither are ideal situations, but when deciding where to live, you do have to think of the possibilities when it comes down to it. Okay, so first let's just get the... um, you know, get get the first question. When it comes down to those two, you know, they're both very different. They're similar in some ways, but different in others. I would pick Florida, and I will tell you why. You see, with New York, even the thunderstorms are different that I've noticed. Uh, Florida gets thunderstorms very frequently. And the storms that I've noticed in Florida, and maybe this isn't true, this is merely from my observation, 
seem to be more heavy with rain. You get very heavy rain and lots of lightning, but not much in the way of wind. Yeah, you get some gusty winds, but nothing crazy. In New York, you can get some heavy rain and some lightning, but the storms up there seem to be more wind-driven. And here in Florida, once again, the trees are, you know, some of them are flexible. Those palm trees, you would, you, they can bend at practically a 90-degree angle. Uh, in New York, a lot of the oak trees and maple trees uh, can get blown over easily. So with the storms in New York being windier from what I've noticed on average, that's one thing. The other thing is that while there's a better chance of a hurricane hitting Florida, the infrastructure here seems to be more equipped to handle it, and New York can still get hit by hurricanes as well. It's rare, but it can happen, and, you know, back in the 19... I think it was the 1930s, uh, Long Island got hit with a Category 3 hurricane, which... Can you imagine that happening today? The issues that would happen if that... if if the New York City area got hit by a storm that powerful? Sandy was bad enough. I, I was up there for that uh, back in 2012, and uh, it decimated some of the infrastructure for a while. So what a stronger one would do, I don't even want to think about it. And secondly, the snowstorms. You know, to tell you the truth, see, I don't hate snow. That's a misconception. I don't hate snow. I think snow is beautiful, to tell you the truth. I really do. When I was up in New York through, through the month of December, I really do, th I say it's a privilege. I had the privilege of being able to experience a few small snowstorms and even an ice storm. And I didn't hate it. I really, I mean, I think it's beautiful. You go out and you get to see all the snow and all the every surface, especially as it's falling, and it's so pristine, it's so peaceful, it's so placid, so undisturbed, it's beautiful. So, I mean, I, I really like snow. It's even fun to play around in, truth be told, to make a snow angel and do all that stuff. I know some people may say that's childish, but who cares? Even shoveling the snow is a good workout. Now, I have nothing against snow, nor have I against ice, so it's dangerous, you have to be careful, but I like, you know, looking at ice, and I, I like uh, looking at the icicles and um, all of that. No, it's not that, it's the cold that obviously comes along with it that I don't like. I'm very sensitive to cold. Like I've said before, I mean, I'm sitting here, <laughs> you know, and I'm cold right now. You know, I could feel it, like in my extremities, my fingers and toes, they feel like ice right now. And it's not even that cold. It's in like the 70s inside. It's not even freezing. So because I'm so sensitive to the cold temperatures, I would rather deal with the Florida heat because again, I don't even sweat <laughs> much at all. So that doesn't bother me. That's why I can really wear the suits and all that without in incident. And um, it's just the cold is what gets me. Sometimes when I get cold, it just gets so hard to get warm again. But it's not the snow itself, it's just the cold that always comes with it. But, you know, it's like, it's not like I can't live in the cold. Again, 
I was, you know, up there through December for the entire month, and I did just fine. So, yeah, it's not like it's unbearable. It's just I will take the warm weather over the cold weather. But I think that's also why I'm so comfortable, again, with wearing the masks and all that, because some people complain about the heat. But I think to me, it's more like it's like a comfort. It's like the heat that it generates feels like it's a nice blanket on my face and not some sort of oppressive um, warmth or anything. So that's just my two cents. But again, to me, it's not like one is easily better than the other um, because they both have issues. You know, it's... I mean, look at look at what happened the other day. Uh, Orlando got hit by tornadoes, full-blown tornadic activity. It's very dangerous, it's very intimidating, and it's scary. You don't get that in New York, at least not to the extent that you get here. Florida is the flattest state in the country, if you'd believe it. And, uh, you know, you'll prove it. If you ever wind up in Florida and you go to Lake County, Florida, uh, one of the few areas of the state that actually has some um, hilly terrain, you go over there and you start looking around and you realize just how flat everything else is when you finally find yourself on an incline. Tornadoes happen here, and you don't get that really in New York. I mean, these are just full-blown tornadoes. I was watching on the news. They destroyed people's houses, and the roofs got ripped off, and all of that. I'm fine. I dodged a bullet, but, you know, certainly lots of rain and wind. So thank you uh, for your first question. Question two. If there was no war, famine, natural disasters, inadequate sanitation, or questionable governments in place, where would you want to travel to? If you didn't have to worry about any of these things, and wherever it was you decided to go was totally safe with no repercussions, what place would you decide on? Personally, I would choose between rural parts of Africa or North Korea. Uh, thank you for keeping the channel going, even with the censorship. So, um, oh, and also said I'll be buying a shortwave radio, so thank you, Haley. Um, that's great to hear that. Good, good. You'll be able to get one, be able to receive the show on the airwaves. Um, but thank you for your understanding there, and it's an interesting second question. I mean, I agree with what you have to say there. I think, I think the answer is for the second question, I think we're on the same page. Uh, I'd love to go to North Korea. I mean, part of me, I've really been contemplating just going there uh, regardless of the government. I really don't think it's one of those things. I'm just, I'm saying that. I don't think I'm really ever going to do that. But it's a, it's such, from what I've seen, such a beautiful place. And especially without the fear of any sort of what-ifs. Oh, man, I, I'd love to go to North Korea. Seems like such a beautiful country. And also some of the, the rural parts of Africa. Africa is such a massive continent. I think we forget that sometimes. You could fit the United States just in the Sahara Desert. That's another reason, you know, with shortwave radio, why it's still used in Africa for domestic broadcasting. You know, you take these massive, massive countries with limited infrastructure and uh, not that much internet access. How are you going to find a way to, you know, inform the, the, the population? AM radio can travel far, but it doesn't travel forever. That's why so many stations over there still use it for domestic broadcasting, especially in the Horn of Africa, where it's still very, very popular. But, I mean, especially like the Horn of Africa. If there were no repercussions, sure. 
Yeah, I'd go over to Somalia. I'd go over to Eritrea. I'd be curious to see just what it's like there. It's a part of the world I've never been. I would really just go on an entire uh, tour of the continent, experience all the natural wonders that it has to see. That it has, so... That's, I think, what I would go with. So thank you, Haley, for your question. Thought it was a very interesting one. Uh, next up, let's just pick a second one out of 50. Nico in Pittsburgh uh, just has a comment. He says, uh, hey, bro, hope you're hanging in there. Uh, I watched the SpaceX Dragon launch live. Uh, this is when the, the SpaceX launch happened. And it was so awesome Did you get to see the rocket go up from where you are. Uh, also, I agree with you about the astronauts. They seem like solid dudes. Um, thanks again for your broadcast and commitment to shortwave and all the random talk. So thank you, Nico, in Pittsburgh. Shortwave listener, but uh, also catches the show online. Now, I never, I, you know, I wasn't able to see it with my own two eyes, really, because while the weather, you know, at the, the launch facility at the Space Center was sufficient enough for... Um, you know, a launch. There were lots of, of clouds in the area, and I imagine if you revisit the footage, you could tell. So I just wasn't able to. The, the cloud deck was just too low, so I couldn't couldn't see it. But I watched it on television, and I had a good feeling. I had a really good feeling about it. You know, the first day, when they scrubbed the launch, I was hoping that they did, because I just... I don't know, I had bad vibes about it. It's not... I just had a feeling that something bad was going to happen, so I'm glad that they scrubbed it the first time and just, you know, erred on the, the side of caution. But I had a feeling it was going to be a good launch. It was. It was a flawless, flawless launch. It couldn't have gone any better. And it's just, it was so fantastic to see them go up, to see them checking in from space, and uh, then to see the two astronauts dock at the space station and, um head in. It was just so, it was so great to see that. It was just a rousing success, and uh, I couldn't have asked for anything better. It was great. So, I hope this really spells some great things for the space program, um, and, and hopefully it's just, I just feel really good about it. It's good to see, and hopefully more good things are going to come. Hopefully. So, yeah, absolutely. I was just really, really stoked for it, and, um, I'm glad it went the way that it did. Couldn't have gone better. Okay. Um, we have an email coming in from Hudson in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Wanted to let you know I'm listening. Took a long break from listening after you were unable to be on uh, SoundCloud for a little bit, but I'm back, uh, at least for this broadcast. I downloaded the TuneIn app, and I'm currently listening to that. And I'm planning to continue using it to listen to future broadcasts, so it's good to hear your show again been a while, so I'm a bit out of the loop. Is the show still on shortwave radio? Could you send me a schedule and the best way to listen? Thanks in advance. Absolutely, Hudson. Um, I'll definitely get you a broadcast schedule. I've actually just marked your email down for uh, shortwave inquiries, so uh, that one goes in that folder. It's going to be responded to, so yes, you're going to get a written response, and um, 100%. It is on the shortwave with many, many frequencies, many times, many broadcasts. And uh, it's going to stay on the shortwave for as long as I can keep it on that medium. So, absolutely. For listeners in North America, for instance in Michigan, 
Um, best broadcast to hear my show is on 5850 kHz. That's 5.850 MHz. In the 49 meter band, at the time of 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Pacific, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening. It's three new shows, three independent shows. Uh, that's 0200 UTC. It's a good frequency, 100,000 watts of power. And uh, it just blasts across North America. It's transmitted from here in Florida, and it's beamed uh, 315 degrees over to Vancouver, Canada. And as a result, the signal just gets across the whole United States into Canada, uh, then, you know, up into Alaska. And then even, you know, further on, it could make it all the way into Eastern Russia and parts of Japan. So it's a good frequency and a good broadcast for most of North America. One other um, frequency that I'd recommend just to general listeners if you're in North America is every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, you know, 5 p.m. Central, I believe that's 2200 UTC. Uh, you can also hear my show on 6115 kHz, that's 6.115 MHz, uh, again in the 49 meter band. That's broadcast from WWCR in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's beamed over um, really toward the northeastern U.S. into the Canadian Maritimes, but I would, I would give that frequency a listen if you're anywhere in eastern North America uh, or even in parts of Europe, because, I, you know, I don't know what it is with WWCR, but something about their, their transmissions is, is special in that, you know, sometimes with shortwave you get bad reception conditions. Uh, sometimes it's just due to solar activity or whatever. Some broadcasts just aren't received as clearly as they should be. But WWCR, I don't know what they do, but they are the one station, regardless of where you listen from the country, uh, you, can, you can pick it up. And clearly, too. I remember once when there were some geomagnetic storms that when those happen, it usually just the whole shortwave spectrum can be dead sometimes. They're the only station and it's blasting in like nothing even happened. I don't know what they have or what they do. I remember, and you could listen to it on anything too. I remember once I just unscrewed the antenna from my radio. There wasn't even an antenna, it was just a plastic box. And sure enough, you could still pick it up, and um, yeah, I don't know what they do, but they're a good station. I've always, I've always liked them. They have, they have good management. So does WRMI. The two of them are are fantastic, and um, that's another frequency I'd recommend. So, sixty-one fifteen that goes out from WWCR, and fifty-eight fifty goes out from WRMI. Um, Henry writes in. He says, um, over the course of the past few months, I've heard you speak about the coronavirus. I assume you're a young man and are open-minded about new information. Hope you take the time to read the attached article. It's... No, I can't read this one. I'm sorry, Henry. I, you know, I would read it, too. Might not be something that everyone would agree with, but after what happened, I can't. I'm sorry, Henry. I apologize there. It's just, you know, after what happened with the last show that was about the coronavirus, and I can't repeat that. 
you know, it's a shame there's certain things uh, that I would be interested in talking about, uh, especially on the uh, conspiracy side of things. But, you know, things have just gotten more tight, uh, at least on some online platforms about doing that. So that's why I haven't really spoken about that much anymore. You know, it doesn't stop me from researching them, but you just, you know, talking about it is, is a different thing. It's just, they really go after that now, so. And they might say, well, why don't you just do it on another platform? Well, because I'm paranoid, that's why. Because then how do I know? I could, if I talk about this stuff on another platform, how do I know that the people, let's say from YouTube or whatnot, don't check that out and don't come after me on YouTube because of that? You know, just because I'm not doing it there, it doesn't necessarily change what repercussions can happen to you. So maybe I'm just really paranoid about that, that I kind of feel like I can't really, you know, talk about certain things anywhere. But I don't know. I, I just, I really just want to wait for this whole thing to simmer down a little bit with the strike and everything. And then I think I'll be a little less tight-lipped about things. But no, it's not like it's something that I've forgotten. It's still of interest. It doesn't mean I agree with everything I read. Sometimes I look and I think this is absurd. This is ridiculous. But it doesn't stop me from researching either way. I mean, <laughs> heck. In the last few weeks, I've really been researching HARP. I've been researching Agenda 2030, um, the Georgia Guidestones, all of that stuff. I could talk about it. Again, doesn't mean I agree or disagree with it, but I could certainly talk about it quite a bit. But it's just you got to be careful right now. So, you know, there will be a time. There will be a time and place, and that's not the moment right now for it. Okay. What else do we have here? Uh, we have a question from Molly who says, Hello, I'm a huge fan of yours. Been watching your videos for a while now. What is your first name? You've probably said it before, but I must have missed it. Also, do you prefer dogs or cats? Okay, that's all. Have a good day. So thank you, Molly, for your question. Uh, it's, it's one that I have gotten before. And... What I would have to say is that my first name is John. That's J-O-H-N. You know, because you have various derivatives of John. You know, you have J-O-N, or you have the formal Jonathan, but I've always just been yeah, plain and simple, very basic. John, J-O-H-N. That's what you have. That's my name. And um, there you have it. So... That's uh, what you have. It's not like my first name is Review, you know, and my last name is Bra. Or it's not like, as some have thought, um, my first name is Ron, right? Ron Van Empty. I'm never going to get sick of that joke. <laughs> or, as I sarcastically said in one video in 2013, after I watched the one clip from the show Community, uh, where I said this is Leonard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that isn't my name either. No, it's just plain and simple, just John. So, there you have it. That's my first name. You could address it any way you'd like. Uh, as for your question, dogs or cats, I like them both, but I am more of a cat person. Originally, a couple years ago, I would have said I'm a dog person, but having since then, you know, had some experience with both uh, different kinds, uh, I would definitely say a cat, a cat person. Because, 
cats, I, I just, I, I like them more. I like dogs too, but the problem is that I'm not necessarily a super high energy person. And dogs are high energy uh, animals. You know, they're very high energy. I think a dog to be properly raised needs a lot of energy. It needs a lot of stimuli. It needs a lot of love and care and attention, you know, dedicated to it. And if you're someone who feels that they have the ability to do so properly, efficiently, and effectively, then that's fantastic. I don't trust myself with those capabilities. I don't say it's a guarantee that I'll be able to have those days. So while they say dog is man's best friend, which I could certainly understand where that, that comes from. And most dogs I, I do I do like. The one dog breed that I'm you know, more iffy on is pit bulls, but we're gonna go into that another day. Um, cats, I just, I, I prefer more. Cats are just more, I guess, understanding in that way that they are pretty laid back as well. That you can, you know, you, you have to show cats a lot of love and affection as well, but they're not the type that needs to be, you know, pestered all the time. Sometimes cats, they just want to be left alone. They just kind of want to do their thing. And I understand that because in, in many ways, I'm much the same. It's just like, I, I feel I could relate to them on a, on a better on a better level, I suppose. And uh, cats, I just, I, I don't know, I like cats. I've always gotten along very well with a lot of cats, lots of different ones. There was, oh, all, all different ones. And um, of course, most iconic, right, is the one, the orange cat, Willie, who, um, you know, has, uh, has since passed, sadly. But, you know, there are other cats, too, that I've just, I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed just petting them and just, even when the cats will just kind of sit on your lap and you just get to pet them, and they'll purr and get to play with them, and I just like them, that's all. Sometimes, you know, I really don't know about the intellect of dogs versus cats or any of that. I think they're both intelligent in, in different ways, but sometimes whether they are or aren't, you know, sometimes the cats, while you're talking or doing something, it's just like they come over and it's just like they're, I don't know, listening or paying attention or observing. They're very observant, regardless. It's just so fascinating. So there you go. Dogs, cats, and first names. Um, we have Joe who writes in, It's been a while since I last tuned into your show. So long, in fact, that I didn't know that you took a break from the show. Uh, something that I believe is a net negative due to the quality of your show. The last time I listened was around the time when you were going on a supernatural binge. I think I spoke on the episode when you talked about dreams. So I'd like to ask, are you still interested in the supernatural or willing to do that kind of thing as a topic again? I think your show has become a lot more important and serious because of the pandemic, but I think it would be cool if you talked about that um, in more of a lighthearted or similar fashion to the ant story. I think your show is really great and I miss hearing a lot of the Vera correspondence that you used to read and even have played in the show. Keep up the great work, you make the internet a better place. Thank you, Joe, for writing in. Uh, well, like I said, this kind of goes hand in hand with the conspiracy stuff. Absolutely. Still interests me. You know, I re- I, you, you wouldn't believe I, how, much, how much stuff I just spend 
looking up every day. I mean, why not, right? You have this beautiful encyclopedia right at your hands, you know, in the form of computers and phones. I try my best to just put it to good use. You know, of course, I play games and listen to music and all that stuff, but I try to research stuff and just try to expand anyway. So, you know, yesterday I was spending lots of time researching, of all things, the uh, Boxing Day tsunami and earthquake in 2004, of all things, you know, it's just a memory from, from then came back to me and I just wanted to research it better, have a better understanding of it. Um, why that even came up, I don't know. I'm just trying to say that I, I, I still spend a lot of time researching things that I just don't even talk about on this show. And like I mentioned with conspiracies and all that, absolutely. I still do, it's still of interest. But again, I just feel like I've really been walking on eggshells with what what can I, what can't I talk about right now on this on this show, and I really don't know, so... Again, like I said, I'm still probably going to, and I'm going to do shows of that theme, but I just need to give it a little bit of, a little bit of time. Maybe a couple months or something. Just once I feel that it's kind of, it's never safe, but once I feel it's a little safer right now. I just don't want to pour any metaphorical fuel on the fire and um, somehow wind, you know, wind up getting another strike and getting the channel shut down and all of that. And it's something that I could have prevented, you know, have it all destroyed and then sit back and say, why just, why didn't I just talk about that, you know? Why didn't I talk about it? Something that I could have prevented. So I'm just preventing that right now. And um, again, we will in the future. No worries there. Next up, we have a comment from Gabby in Maryland, who writes, I finally got the chance to catch up with your podcast and was really happy to find a classic, longer shows making a comeback. A real throwback to when I first started listening years ago. They're perfect to listen to while I work. I have a question for you. Since you live in Florida with a large elderly population, are you seeing a backlash in wearing masks and social distancing? One of my parents, who is 50, does nothing but complain about masks and the shutdown even though she isn't even affected, other than the fact that she can't get her hair and nails done, and is in an age group where she should be concerned about getting the virus. What have you observed personally in your surroundings and in your own social circle? Great shows as always. Thanks for your constant efforts. From Gabby in Maryland. Thank you for your kind words and for listening in. So, you know, Florida is a state with a lot of older demographics. It's interesting what I've noticed. You know, one thing I think that we sometimes see a lot uh, that sometimes gets stereotyped is we often think, and maybe it's true for certain areas, again, I haven't done any traveling to other parts of the country since uh, since this whole pandemic. It's kind of funny, though. I was talking about this on my radio broadcast the other day, and I figure it's just worth mentioning here. Number one, what day was the highest number of cases worldwide for this ever recorded. What day? What do you want to think was the apex of cases? What do you think it was? I'm recording this on June 7th, by the way. Was it back in April, right? When everyone was talking about it? 
and we were all focused on the lockdowns. That had to be it, right? Someday in April. No. The day with the highest number of cases was yesterday. 130,000 cases worldwide. 30,000 cases in Brazil, 25,000 cases in the United States. Countless countries of 4,000 cases, 8,000 cases in Russia. Hundreds to thousands of other cases in all other countries. And you look at the, the charts. Worldometers is a great resource I, I recommend, really. BNO, uh, BNO News used to be good. They still are. But they're a small team, and they've just kind of gotten, you know, overwhelmed with the sheer um, mass of statistics. But I would really, really recommend using worldometers.com. I think it's .com. Uh, they have such a fantastic tool, it's, it's not even funny. It's just great. Uh, you look at the raw numbers, but then they break it down for people who want to just have a visual representation. Um, you name it, line graphs, bar graphs, everything, linear, uh, logarithmic, anything you want, they have it pretty much. I mean, I, they are a treasure trove. God bless them. They're, they're great. And they, uh, I, I look at this. Now you want to talk about states that flattened the curve, that really did, that got on top of this, that did the right thing and took this seriously, then look no further than New York. New York State was put through hell. They were, I mean, really, really put through this. I don't know what's going to happen going forward, but I would have a, I would have a sense, uh, at least in probably most of southern New York, that so many people there have been personally impacted by the virus that I would say a huge percentage of the population is taking this seriously. You know, I've got family up there, and that's just what uh, I've been hearing firsthand, and just through other videos I've been seeing from up there, it seems to be the case. Uh, that just everyone up there is just so impacted that they realize this thing is no joke. But I look in other parts of the country, and I should also say before I get sidetracked again, they managed to get the number of new cases in all of New York State from a point where it was 10,000 new cases a day all the way down right now to about 1,000 new cases. And it's just, it's a beautiful chart to see, this bar graph of new cases by the day since this thing began in New York. Where it goes up, it spikes, it gets really, really high, and then it gradually begins going back down again. So gradually, but it does, and it keeps going back down and keeps going down. And there's no massive spike, no massive influx, no second wave yet, and let's hope it stays that way. But it's fantastic to see, because that's a sign that the health system there took it seriously, but so did everyone that lives there and resides there did as well. And that's what happens when you take it seriously. Something like that, that's really possible. You take what was the worldwide epicenter and you're able through aggressive actions, but practical things too, you're able to make it doing great. And it's just, it's such a great story to see. Then you look at the curve for Florida. Oh boy, what a stark contrast. You know, the last four days of new cases here in Florida have been the highest yet 
reported for the state. And I really don't trust anything that comes from the state government anymore after they fired the person who was responsible for managing the data because she wasn't um, cooking the books, I guess, enough and wasn't um, manipulating the numbers to look better. So ever since that happened, I just threw in the towel and I assume that it's just going out of control here. And if I think it's starting to once again and it's just going to be a it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a nightmare here. What can you do? It's probably by the new by the new cases. It's safer right now in southern New York than it is in Florida. I would be willing to say that at this point, which <laughs> who would have thought? But then again, you look at mask wearing, something that you know I've been a strong advocate for. I don't think you're a Satan if you don't wear a mask, but it's just something I advocate. If you don't, you don't. But I advocate it strongly. I always wear one. I've gotten so used to it, believe it or not, that I've actually found on multiple occasions, um, I'm so comfortable with it. I always drink with the straw, but I'll find myself just poking myself with the straw because I forget that, um, you know, that I, I have one on. You know, it's just, it's kind of funny. I, I haven't tried to drink through it yet, but I'm sure I'll make that mistake one time. But I don't know, it's comfortable for me. It's just like at the point now... It's like putting on a mask when I go out is on the same level as wearing a seatbelt. It's like just something that I do now. I'm used to it. Um, but like today, I went out to get the uh, pizza from Little Caesars. Had to go in and pick it up. And when I went in, I had a mask on. Surgical mask. Uh, the three staff members there all had their masks on. They had black ones. So those are always cool, the black masks. Um, and there were other people waiting for their food. There were three others. And one of them had a mask. The other two didn't. So that's just from that experience. From what I've seen, just checking out different areas, that it's, you know, it's very interesting. When I'm out, I always, I'm always just curious how many people on the street have them? How many people do I see at stores? you know, out and about have them. How many people do I notice either in their cars that are wearing them or that I see have them either hanging from the rear view mirror or, you know, on their dashboard or something? Just what do I see generally? And I notice here that it's not just elderly people. Really, believe it or not, it's not even the elderly demographic. I see some people in their 70s and 80s that have them, some that don't. And I also see people in the teens that have them or don't. I see people with their little kids that, you know, they have a mask on, but the little kids don't. And, um, you know, all different things. It's just like there's no one demographic that really does or not. But certain interesting things that on socioeconomic divide, I've noticed that in the real, real highly affluent areas, I see very limited mask wearing, very limited, almost little to none. You see it like here and there, but maybe like one in every 15 to 20 people has one. In like your standard, you know, more average middle class areas, I would say the percentage of people wearing masks would maybe be like yeah, I would say like 
30 to 40 percent. And then in some of the lower income areas, I see about 70 percent of people wearing masks. And these are just from my own personal on the ground observations. I'm not going to try to say that, you know, this is confirmed everywhere and this is just what I've seen. Maybe I was just in certain places at certain times that gave this impression. But I've just noticed in the areas uh, that, yes, are considered poorer. I see more people wearing masks at the bus stops and just walking and all of this, a lot more. I mean, again, really, really noticeably high numbers. And again, in like your just average, um, you know, just average areas, uh, again, it's like hit or miss. Some people do, some people don't. And then in the real wealthy areas, it's like no one does. So it's just interesting to see that, that divide, that very, very stark divide. But we'll see. Certainly, I know the percentage for mask wearing here is it's lower than what it's um, what it is in other states. Certainly, New York, I've seen reports that, you know, like 90, 95 percent of people wear one over there. But up here, at least you have now with stores, it's kind of different that, you know, a lot of stores mandate a mask if you even want to go in. Um, all the theme parks are going to. Maybe that'll incentivize people to wear them. Who knows? Not that I'm going to be going to those anytime soon. But, I don't know. I don't know. Just don't have a good feeling. I don't. It's like, you know, 2020 is just the year. If you want a motto for the year 2020, uh, then look no further than the phrase, when it rains, it pours. There you go. Start off 2020 with a nice geopolitical conflict. Almost start a war with the U.S. and Iran. Uh, then just fast forward right in, fast track it, I should say, right into a, a severe global pandemic. Uh, then you get all the unrest and um, protests and riots with George Floyd. Uh, hurricane season is going to be a fun one. Let's just say, if it... I don't want to say this. I am, though. I'm just going to say it anyway. Who cares? <laughs> I think if 2020 is going to follow its current trajectory, don't even be surprised if you got a Category 5 hurricane that hits a major U.S. metropolis and just raises it, you know? That's 2020 right there. What's going to... I'm not even joking at this point. The National Hurricane Center predicts an above-average um, hurricane season. We've already had three named storms. Uh, Cristobal already caused tornadoes in the Orlando area. I mean, 2020 has the makings for it. I wouldn't even be surprised in the least. As a matter of fact, I expect it. Completely expect it. What's going to stop it? When it rains, it pours. That's why you got to be ready for this stuff, just in case. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we've got an ant story. Oh, good. Good, okay, we got a listener in Ohio. Says, hello, review bra, love the show. It helps me sleep at night, that's good. Have an ant story as well. My kitchen counter has been infested with the little guys for over a month now. I utilized an old ant bait trap I had sitting around. The liquid chemicals in it seemed all dried up, but I figured, well, it wouldn't hurt to see if it could attract enough to kill the ants. So sure enough, a swarm of them later congregated all over the bait trap. 
though most seemed alive since the chemicals were dried out. I cleared off the counter and proceeded to spray and paper towel smash as many as possible. The term anti-genocide popped into my head while I went about this too. I disinfected my counter with Blue Dawn dish soap. I used it because my mom said uh, Dawn's chemicals fend ants off. And I haven't seen too many ants since then. But when I do, I plant a little droplet of Dawn followed by a wiping with a wet towel on the counter. Who knows, hopefully this dissuades any ants from further breaking in. Much love from Ohio. Thank you for your email, Dawn Dish Soap. Oh, I mean, you might be onto something. I mean, who's to say? Who's to say? They may not like it. And that can really help. So who's to say? But if it works, it works. I mean, let's look, there's, there's no denying that. If it works for you, there you go. Okay, we got this list new. <laughs> writes in, I think very succinctly, I have a rather unpleasant story relating to ants. At one point when I was a teenager, my family had a cardboard container filled with a bunch of croissants out in the open. And I began to eat one, and halfway through consuming it, I looked at what I was eating, and I suddenly noticed that the croissant was crawling with tiny ants. This experience really made my skin crawl, and to this day I fear a similar situation happening to me. Oh gosh, yeah, I know, I understand exactly what, what you mean. And thankfully that hasn't happened to me yet. I say yet, because you just don't know. But, oh gosh. No, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. You look, that's something that can scar you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's no fun. <laughs> it's no fun at all. Um, we mentioned hurricanes a little bit, and I think I already talked about this, but maybe I'll elaborate it on, uh, on it a little bit more. Tyler writes in, says, haven't written in for a while, and I apologize for it. No, don't apologize, you're fine. As a Floridian, what are your thoughts on the National Weather Service predicting a busy Atlantic hurricane season for 2020? I'm from South Mississippi, so this is quite ominous, especially with the ongoing pandemic. I was 13 when Hurricane Katrina hit, and I dread a storm of that magnitude will ever happen again, let alone this of all years. I've appreciated the storm coverage in the past, so I hope it's not too gloomy a subject. Stay safe and healthy out there from Tyler. So thank you, Tyler. Uh, like I said earlier, 2020 is one of those years, I think, when it rains, it pours. People better be ready uh, for this to be a rough one. There were some close calls last year. You gotta realize just how close this can get. You look at Hurricane Dory and the strength that this... Unimaginable strength. Could you imagine the devastation that would have happened if Dorian didn't stay off the coast of Florida, but somehow... but scraped up the east coast of Florida, hit Miami, then went up? Forget it, it would be... It would be catastrophic. It's terrible what happened to the Bahamas. You never even hear about that anymore. But some storms we get lucky and others we don't. You know, it's like people need to be ready for this. People need to be ready every year. One thing that I always say too, I advocate prepping. I'm one of those people. I don't care about the bad reputation they get sometimes. I really don't. I think it's a smart thing to do. 
if anyone out there prepared for the coronavirus and perhaps wound up getting some extra food that maybe they're not really using, if you're in an area that, you know, has some potential for hurricanes, be glad you did that. But people should stock up a little bit here and there. Right now I know money's tight. And uh, a lot of people really, you know, saying to do that is a lot, it's, it's easier said than done right now. And I get that, you know. But in little ways, a little bit here, a little bit there. See what you can do. Some extra food, some extra water, some extra batteries, you know. That's why having a radio also, I think it's as practical to have just as a means of information. You know, radio is an uncensored medium. I enjoy listening to some good music on the FM, some AM talk shows, and especially, of course, shortwave. But all of these mediums, all three of them, are so useful if infrastructure goes down. When uh, Hurricane Irma hit in 2017, radio was the only thing that I used for days afterwards because all power was gone, all cell service was gone. No TV, so radio was what I used. Uh, non-stop, I used AM radio to uh, make sure I knew what was going on in the vicinity. And uh, I also listened to shortwave just to get perspectives on current events so I didn't stay out of touch with the world. So, you know, I was, especially with no power, when there's no electricity, the shortwave reception you're going to get is going to be the best you've ever seen in your life. I mean, I kid you not. I was able to sit inside and I was able to hear Radio Sultanate of Oman all the way from Oman, you know, broadcasting in English, just blasting in crystal clear, nothing to interfere with it because there was no electricity anywhere. They able to make sure I knew what was going on in the Middle East, you know, could listen to all these things. It was just, you know, so it was, it was really, really important. That's why I recommend getting a radio. Get one right now before you have this you know, before you know it, you're going to have a huge storm barreling down at you, and Amazon isn't going to ship it in time, and it's just going to be tough. If you want, make sure you get one with um, weather band as well. Now, that's not totally required, but it's it's good to have. But battery operated or hand crank, those are always important. But No, this is going to be an active season. This is going to be an active season, and people... Even I kind of said it as like a little, little bit of like a bitter, sarcastic remark. Uh, there's a lot of truth to it. You got to be ready for anything. You can't predict the future. But 2020 is just one of those years uh, that it might be a rough one. And you just want to look, statistically speaking, the more storms there are, the greater likelihood of at least one of them making landfall in the U.S. at a, at a significant strength. And NOAA, they predict that there's going to be a lot of storms, so we got to watch this year really, really closely. But again, I've been following this Cristobal already. I don't think the impacts directly to uh, New Orleans, or not New Orleans, Louisiana Gulf Coast that it's going to hit, uh, should really be cataclysmic, but I think it'll make some rain, and there might be a limited storm surge. Probably some power outages, maybe some gusty winds, but it's not going to be catastrophic, I don't think. Perhaps the worst damage was was here in Florida with the tornadoes it generated in the outer bands of it. So, 
I mean, it's just going to be... It, that should be a wake-up call. People have to realize, hey, hurricane season is here. And let's be so thankful right now that this is Tropical Storm Cristobal and not Major Hurricane Cristobal. We got to take this seriously, and thank you, Tyler, for mentioning this. It's, it's very, very true. I agree with it. Uh, let's see what else we got. What do we have here? Next, we go to an anonymous listener. I've got a theory about YouTube removal, not a conspiracy. Okay, let's hear it. Hi, Review Bro. I listened to your latest VORW upload on YouTube. I got to the point where you were talking about your January podcast and how information was reported uh, that was just known at the time. I don't think YouTube necessarily disagrees with the points you were trying to make, but my view on this is that you might be overestimating the general population. A lot of people don't look at dates when they watch a video or read a news story. Someone might listen and start sharing your podcast trying to prove their point, even though it's months old and outdated information. There's also being the possibility of the broadcast being spliced and audio clips being taken out of context, but that kind of ties in with the previous point I made. Hope this is helpful. Hope you're staying safe. Okay, thank you. Now, I know you asked to be kept anonymous, and I always respect that. It's an interesting theory that you, uh, that you mention. Well, who's to say? Who's to say? It's something that I, you know, I wish, I really wish we knew. I wish we could say that, you know, at least they told you what the inner workings of it are. But I guess they don't, you know, for certain reasons. Same thing like I wish they would tell you why something was demonetized. But they kind of just say, well, it, it's against the rules or something. I just wish I kind of knew what, what set it off. So, who's to say? You know, I think the best thing that I've been trying to do anyway to avoid that is just to kind of censor myself um, before it's done and, you know, before anything gets silenced needlessly. Same reason why I just haven't been talking about conspiracies or any of that. It's fascinating to me, but I just don't want anything to be taken the wrong way. And YouTube, again, look, it's their site. I'm a big supporter of the First Amendment. I support freedom of speech, but at the same time, I respect private enterprise. YouTube is a private enterprise. And that I respect as well. So, you know, it's just, it's their house. You gotta play by their rules. I respect that. So, you know, I'll just see what happens going forward. But you just, you, do, you just gotta be safe. You gotta play it safe. That's why the other ones are still there on all the other podcast platforms. And if you want to give them a listen, they are all there, neatly organized to one's liking. We have... An email coming in from Kara, I believe what they suggestion says I'm number one fan. Who knows, maybe you are. <laughs> number one, I thank you for your support. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you dearly for all your amazing videos and podcasts. I think they're truly exceptional. Your ideas, humor, and topics you choose to talk about are brilliant, and I think they're insightful to watch and listen to. And I've been thinking a lot about what you could do to expand your podcast into... And I truly believe that you should expand into question and answer sessions with your viewers. People admire and look up to you because you're so real. Many people want your aspect and opinion on many things 
that are going on in their own lives. So I think you should ask viewers for questions and then give them advice. Uh, so more people will want to be featured on your ever-growing, uh, ever-popular growing shows. I'm very thankful that you make your videos and reviews, and the podcasts as well. And I wish you all the best of luck and hope you're doing well since the attic fall. I'm so ha I'm so sorry that happened. I'm glad you're well now. Again, thanks for your contribution to society in a positive and uplifting way. Sincerely, Caro. Thank you, Caro, for your very positive email. I'm glad you're a big fan of the show. That means a lot to me. So I'm glad you enjoy the broadcasts and, and feel that way about them, as well as the food reviews. We can't, we can't forget about the food reviews, too. Um, and to get to your last question, since the fall, I am doing, I am doing better. It's, it's still kind of funny. Ever since then, if I still feel like in my back, right where, you know, I, I hit the ground the hardest, it still just doesn't feel like a hundred percent, you know, but it's like nothing, nothing was, was thankfully, you know, <laughs> destroyed beyond repair or anything. But it's like, I remember once I was laying on the ground to just look at something and just as I was in that position, it still felt a little bit, a little off, you know, but I'm able to walk. I'm able to do all my stuff. I'm able to run. I'm able to jog. I'm able to jump around. I'm able to walk for miles. I'm glad. I'm, I am back to normal. And it was a very scary experience, you know, but in retrospect, I think it was one of, it was at that point, it's a weird thing to say, but it's a something, I was actually thinking about this the other day, uh, that when that happened, I think it solidified that point when I realized that I really no longer fear death. Because... I remember that morning uh, when I was there in the hospital, in the emergency room, and, you know, they were they were going to do scans of my brain and everything because they were not sure, you know, because when I fell, it was right there in my back that hit the hardest, but then immediately it was the very back of my head that just slammed into the concrete there. Uh, so they were, you know, going to check for brain damage, and... You know, they said, look, right now we just got to check because we're just not sure. I mean, when you hear that type of answer that they tell you, you know, they can't confirm that you're good, it's really troubling. But I just thought, look, you know, if I'm dead in, you know, a couple hours and if I'm unconscious, look, what happens, happens. If that's just my fate, I'm resigned to it. And if that's just what was meant to happen, then, you know, wish I could have stuck around longer, but that's just the way it is. So it was just an experience I'm never going to forget. Um, but no, I'm doing much better uh, physically, mentally, every way. And I got really, really lucky, and I never, I never lose sight of that. So I'm really thankful that it, it ended the way that it did uh, and wound up the way that it did, I should say. But I'm able to just do everything that I, I did before then. That it wasn't any sort of catastrophic injury because it clearly could have been had things have just been slightly different it's just crazy to think that you know it happened in the fraction of a second i mean i'm sure it's because of the concussion that i just you know forgot maybe when it happened but it was like in a fraction of a second i was there i remember for like a millisecond in fall 
and then on the ground, looking back up, just not even understanding right away what had even happened. But to think just in that fraction of a second from the time where I lost balance and then fell, had I done something differently, maybe if I moved my head back a bit more, moved a little bit, and I landed on my neck, things would be very different. No denying that. So who knows? I just got lucky. That's all I can really say. Just pure luck. That's it. The fact that it it wound up the way that it did. Very, very lucky. And I'm never going to lose sight of that, ever. Something I still think about often. Um, But as for your suggestion, I appreciate it. I think that's a good suggestion. And I don't have the answer for everything. I don't have the answer for a lot of things. But if someone writes to me asking for perspective, there's a difference between a perspective and an answer. Yeah. An answer implies you have the solution for something. Perspective just implies you're interested in what your thoughts are. And again, I, have, I really have the answers for nothing. But if someone writes in with, uh, you know, the explicit purpose of asking for perspective, I think that's a really good idea. I would try my best to give a thoughtful comment to many of those questions. Not much I can really guarantee, but be cer- certainly something that I would be fine with. So, who's to say? I think that's a good. I think that's a good. A good idea. Probably something I'm actually going to employ going forward. You know, maybe with like a specific. Because you know, right now I do like the general comments. You know, I just open up the mailbag, and this is just talk. I'm just talking, reading um, some listener letters. But I would still do that, but maybe also add like a special, you know, segment within a segment where I'll just answer those types. That's a good question. Thank you. Speaking of, any feedback, as I mentioned, feedback, questions, comments, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to mention, um, anything, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail dot com. Again, that's a v-o-r-w info at gmail.com and you can see I just have a page open with 50 emails that I marked down I'm just reading anything I'm just reading them all so that's what we've got you're listening to VORW the mailbag continues okay we have uh, let's look right now Uh, a piece of correspondence Ethan from Connecticut checking in hope you're doing well I've been enjoying the longer shows that you've been putting out as of late. I enjoy the sort of variety show format, where a show can range from listener feedback to a story about ants. I don't usually listen to the shows all in one sitting, so the newer format allows me to listen uh, to bite-sized snapshots of the show and finish it at my own pace. I don't have much else to say, but keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Ethan. Uh, always good to hear from you. I know you've been a long-time listener. I know you've been here from the radio show a couple years ago, so good to have you still here. And I'm glad you enjoy the um, well, the format of the shows. I'm glad that's enjoyable. I know, you know, it's... Nothing is for everyone. Like we said earlier in the show, at the very beginning, you can't please everyone, but I'm glad that it works out for you. And and that's exactly the thing. When it comes down to these shows, how I feel about them, it's like I don't care how someone listens to the show. 
weirdly, you get some people who are like, I want someone to listen to my show all in one sitting, and that's it. No, if you want to listen to it, gosh, in five-minute intervals, then fine, go for it. I don't mind. You know, listen to the show whatever way works for you. Uh, but I'm glad that it's it's not too intimidating. Like, I know the length can be longer, but when you really, you know, you break it down and you realize that this show isn't necessarily something that you have to listen to as just one long, drawn-out, continuous three- to four-hour broadcast. Instead, it's like there's segments, right? You have, let's say, in this show, for instance, the Steak and Shake portion, right? At the beginning where I give the story, that can be its own little thing. And then, you know, the fan mail, divide that up any way you want, right? Some emails, as you know, I go on much longer than others, and it just depends. It depends on what I really can talk about today or can't. So, I appreciate it. Sorry, I had to get a little bit of a sip of water there. Um, but I appreciate it, so thank you for, uh, you know, just for tuning in. I appreciate it. All right. Um, let's look what else we got. I'm just going through right now. I'm just... Okay. We have... An email coming in from a listener in Port Orange, Florida. Oh, okay. On SoundCloud. Wants to share some thoughts about the uh, YouTube strike. He says, I can truly relate in a multitude of ways. A couple of years ago, my channel got taken down due to bogus uh, copyright strikes, and my appeals were unsuccessful like most other creators. I did exactly what you did, as far as creating a video explaining the situation and putting my other videos on private, but before I knew it, YouTube terminated my account anyway. My advice to you would be to delete the particular videos immediately and bite the bullet. As much as it sucks and feels wrong to do, I wish I did, and I'm pretty sure if they shut down your channel, they'll shut down the report of the week too. It's not worth the risk, in my opinion. So thank you for your feedback. You know, when it comes down to that, I mean, I agree. Like, I was I was mentioning what I was going to do, and I went overboard. I was concerned just about four shows. I went ahead and got rid of eight, I think, or nine. And, you know, the big, the big coronavirus word doesn't exist <laughs> on that channel anymore. For good reason, of course, but... No, that's exactly, because you bring up a good point. It's one of those things that's entirely, at least I would hope, preventable right now. You can go ahead and you can... You can take this action. The channel is still there. It's not gone. It's not uh, destroyed or anything. So there's still time to act on it, which is exactly what I, uh, what I hope I did successfully anyway. I mean, I don't know. But I hope so. I mean, I really do. So thank you, though, for your feedback. And I'm sorry you lost your channel. I know that must be terribly frustrating that that ever happened. Sorry it, I'm sorry it ended up that way. Okay, next email comes in from Joanne in San Diego, California, regular listener. And she writes, Hi, John, your recent shows have inspired some of my own random topics. Uh, insects... Uh, I don't live on the ground floor, and my windows here don't have screens, 
So my biggest issues are fruit flies and corpse flies. My prized possession is my bug zapper. The loud electronic snap of a fly being killed is extremely satisfying. Uh, as for smartphones, another topic, uh, with every passing day it's becoming harder to live without one. Apps for shopping, banking, etc. are optimized for phones now, and not keeping up is at my own loss. Even my father is thinking he will have to learn to use one. Have your views on smartphones changed? So, to interject, because I know you have one more, um, one more point you want to bring up. Uh, onto smartphones, I'll tell you this. Now, I was very, very anti-smartphone. Uh, for, gosh, for many, many years. And it's not like... It was unfortunately just because of the channel, because of all of that, uh, I really eventually had to bite the bullet, and in 2017, I got a smartphone. But, you know, having owned one now, not for three years, but for like two and a half years, how has it changed me? I don't think it really has, and I will tell you why. Because... If you would believe it, I really don't use my smartphone as, uh, you know, in the capacity, I should say, that most other people do. And it's really, really weird. People would probably say, then why do you even own one if this is what you do with it? And I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I guess I just do. Because it's multi-purpose. It has these tools in one instead of having each of, uh, you know, an individual thing. But number one... How long do I use it each day? I would say that the amount of time, excluding a phone call if I have to make one, the amount of time that I actually spend like physically browsing things and using the phone, each day is probably 15 minutes, and that's it. Now again, you might be saying, 15 minutes, that's it? Yeah, about 15 minutes, that's, that's it. Um, like right now, I can tell you for today, I I was on the phone, so that, you know, that kind of... And I'm just using it as a telephone, but I'm just talking, browsing, and doing stuff like that. I, uh, I mean, I haven't even looked at it in that regard in the last probably eight hours. And then before that, I checked the email and, um the weather a couple times, and that's it. So yeah, I would say probably even less than 15 minutes, you know, in the last day. I just don't really use it uh, very often. So I haven't become, I guess, a zombie, as some say. I, I very, very seldom use it. Um, I do use it as a camera, and I use it for pictures and for videos and all of that. So it's used in that capacity as a camera. Most importantly, it's used as a communication device for, um, you know, just communications, you know, as one would use a phone for. And then otherwise, again, just mostly checking email. Um, sometimes I'll check the news and I'll play uh, Solitaire <laughs> on it every now and then. Uh, though I like the old school Windows Solitaire a lot better because the, the Solitaire that I have on my on my phone that I don't know just came with it it's uh, the draw one and I don't like that there's no challenge I realized uh, 
that I could actually win the game for the most part. Because it's just like if you tap the, the, the card, um, <laughs> it'll pretty much just go where it's supposed to go. It'll either go into the... Um, it'll just do its thing. So I realize if I just tap the screen really, really fast and don't even pay attention to any of the numbers, I could usually win the solitaire game uh, in a very, very quick time. And, you know, you know, a couple under a minute, usually, maybe 30 seconds or, or so, because it's just, you're not even putting any thought into it. And I thought that's so stupid. I, that's why I like the draw three ones, because it's, there's challenge to it. But anyway, I'm sidetracked. Uh, but that's it. I don't really have any apps. I don't do anything. I don't, I don't do the, now I know it's a tracking device. You know that everyone does. Um, that it's monitoring you. It's listening to you. It's watching you. I don't like that, but Again, I guess it's, you know, everything is, the computer is, it all is, so what can you do there in terms of surveillance from big companies, the government, you name it, nothing. It's just, it's everywhere, unless you're off the grid, and I am not one of those people that could ever be suited for that life. Um, so yeah, my views on smartphones have changed, but that's the thing, it comes to something that's like... Well, it's, it's how someone is as a person. I think some of the individuals who sit there and, you know, spend, you know, like 16 hours a day on their phones, you know, just, I don't know if I want to say predisposed, but that's just, you know, their media consumption habit. I don't think that suddenly owning a smartphone is going to make you into that person. But in the end, it's something that you have to look at how you feel. Right now, thankfully, there are still ways that you can do things without a smartphone. Like I said, I do almost every single thing on a computer. Uh, again, I just use the smartphone really for calling, for communication, uh, for taking pictures and videos, um, playing the occasional game of solitaire, and uh, checking the news and email. And that's it, I don't use it as some sort of fancy tool for apps and for this and that and the other thing. So I'm still able to get by right now and do all the things that you know I'm able to really without having to use any sorts of weird features on it. Like even one stupid thing at Little Caesars that I hate, you know, when I went to pick up the pizza the other day, <laughs> I, um. You know, I, I went over there and I was, you know, doing my thing. Had to go in and they have this stupid pizza portal and all that. Now, I know I was, I'm usually, you know, usually if it's in the pizza portal or whatever. But even then, I just don't like how at first when you have to pick it up from this pizza portal, you had to scan the QR code on your phone to even get the pizza. You know, that's just a little silly to me. Um, you know, because the first time I ever tried to use it, I don't think it ever loaded on my phone, and I wasn't able to get the food that I had already paid for in advance. But now they've changed it, where if you want to pick up your pizza, you don't have to scan some sort of QR code anymore, which I'm very thankful for. You still can, but you can also um, just enter a three-digit number, which is much easier than having to pull out your phone and do all that. Or you can simply go to the person at the counter and just talk to them. 
and get your food that way. So I'm glad. I'm I'm thankful for that. But you know, one thing that just disappoints me about the world. There was a good article that I actually read. It it actually I don't want to say that it made me upset, but maybe slightly. Um because it was a good article. It was called um is about the coronavirus. It was from CNN, which I know people say their things about, but this is an apolitical article, to tell you the truth. You know, I, I avoid all the major media when it comes to politics. I'm so sick of it. I try to politicize everything, you know. CNN, Fox News, every, every everyone. Everyone does now, and I hate that. I just, so that's why I never even use them anymore. But this popped up on the news, and I saw it, and it was apolitical. I read it, and I actually thought it was a decent article. And, um, it was about how many people in the world still don't have any internet access whatsoever, and how the pandemic is affecting them, how they get their news, how they get their media, uh, and how lockdowns and all of that are uh, affecting their lives. And uh, it talked a little bit about radio and all of that, which is I'm thankful for. But do you know how many people in the world, what percentage still don't have internet? <laughs> At this point, it's um, astounding. It says, according to UN estimates, nearly half the global population, 46%, still aren't connected to the internet. And um, that's, it's crazy. I think they said like 3.5 billion people who uh, still aren't connected to the internet. So that's another thing that just bothers me whenever these big international... Uh, news stations on the shortwave just sign off, you know, you're still neglecting billions of people who might depend on radio for their information still. It's crazy, you know, how many people still don't? So it's for that reason why I, I believe radio, no matter what, is not dead right now at this point. But, you know, that's a shame. I mean, think of it this way. We have internet. We have all of these things at our disposal, but sometimes if you don't have a smartphone, they still make you feel like you're out of luck. Think about all the people who still don't have the internet, how that is. It's tough. It's crazy. Crazy to think. I mean, it is nice to take a break from the internet, I do, I, I tell you, but that's just a little difficult when especially everything I do right now is reliant on that. That's the only way I could even really earn a living at this point. Um, but anyway, I got distracted here. You also have a uh, thought. Let me just continue. Uh, the double crisis of COVID-19 and police slash racial tension is making me feel despondent. I'm still scared to go outside. And am I, am I just as bad as the instigators by not protesting or sending online support? That seems to be the message. I'm an introvert and generally keep to myself and don't deal well with conflict. I try to treat people as individuals and with respect, but am I still a bad person because that isn't enough? Enough rambling, please stay safe and keep up all the music and talk shows. I hope that the financial situation will allow it. The shows are something that I enjoy that make me feel better. From Joanne in San Diego, California. Thank you, Joanne. Always great to hear from you, a regular listener on the shortwave, but also online as well. Good to have you listening to um, all the shows. Big listener. So, some people won't like my answer to your, your question. 
about not saying anything. Some people I think aren't, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to be one of those people. Are you a bad person for not saying anything? Absolutely not. No. No. If you want to be quiet, then be quiet. I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I don't like it when people try to pressure other people to do something that they're just not really comfortable with. Because it's a very uncomfortable feeling and then it could lead... It can leave certain mixed feelings about, about things if you're really forced into something. You have to, if you're ready and you really feel up to it, but otherwise, no, just go at your own pace. <laughs> you know, live life as you want to live it. And you can have your views, you could have your sentiments, you could have feelings, but you are an independent person with, in my opinion, you know, this is philosophical stuff, but in my opinion, free will and the choice to do what you want. So it's up to you. But if you choose, if you say, look, I just, I don't really know how to say it. I don't, I just have my anxieties. I'm very introverted. I don't, like you said, don't like inserting myself into conflict. Then don't say anything. And you still, there's nothing wrong with that. You're still a good person. So no, you just have to do, you know, do what you want to do. That's all. So no, you're not a bad person. I don't think you are. Especially, I, I know, with your fears about the virus right now. And I was, I was talking about this earlier. You know, whether people want to admit it or not, I think that there is going to be a huge increase in cases um, because of all the protests. I just don't see any logical way to think otherwise. Um, that there is going to be a massive increase. And the only thing I hope is that since most of the people at the protests were younger, my, my only hope is hopefully a lot of the people who get it um, will maybe have stronger immune systems and won't end up hospitalized. And that's all. Hopefully there's not going to be a lot of deaths and hopefully, um, you know, maybe the cases will be a little milder and maybe people will uh, not be hospitalized as much. That's it. To me, it's not a matter of, you know, if there's going to be a spike, but absolutely. Absolutely there's going to be. No doubt. No doubt. Give it... So people try to say it like a meme, but it's true. Give it two to three weeks and um, just be ready for it. So hopefully it's not going to set things back too far. That's all. I was talking about the charts. I was talking about all the graphs. And the last thing I want is the progress in the states and, let's say, New York and all that to get reset completely. If Florida is a lost cause, forget about Florida. It's just going to... They're going to they're gonna keep saying that it's due to increased testing, but part of me just refuses to believe that. I'm sorry. I, I just can't. I can't. I can't believe that. So, uh, what can you do? I'll tell you this, though. In terms of uh, your final query, some people... Not, you could have your views, I don't care. But I remember in the initial days after everything happened there with uh, George Floyd, you know, I didn't give my comment for a little while because it's just, 
it was something that I was wrestling with myself, but I finally decided I just, I, again, I'm going to cut the losses. Whatever happens, happens. It's going to upset a couple people, but I'm just going to, I'm going to say my piece and that's it. But, you know, in the days preceding that, uh, you would believe, well, you should say you wouldn't believe some of the emails and comments that came in from people that were trying to openly almost threaten me because I didn't, uh, didn't say anything. And it's like, I don't know, I, I guess people are trying to you know, use psychology to get other people to speak out about it, but to me that left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I thought, I feel the way that I do, but then if you feel about it this way and you're trying to threaten me because I didn't say anything about it, is that supposed to make me more sympathetic? How is that going to help? How? You know, it does absolutely nothing. It does no good whatsoever. You know, but people, you know, people are different. Everyone's different. Some people are used to, I mean, that's sometimes it just comes down, not really to a movement or anything, but down to someone's personality. You get some people who are just literal bullies. And it's like they literally get what they want in life because they sit there, because they threaten people, because they like to throw harsh words at someone, and uh, usually that person then caves in, and they get what they want, and you get these, you know, narcissistic uh, psychopaths, pretty much, that just do that. And you get that from every single side, every angle, every viewpoint, uh, no doubt about it. So... I don't really think some of the people who are doing that really care about anything. It's just their egos getting in the way of things. And it's like they feel so self-entitled that they feel like they have the right to tell other people, you know, go say this or else, <laughs> right? That's just ridiculous. If someone wants to talk about something, then they'll do so when they want to. Not when you, you know, say you're going to do this to them or do that to them or whatever, try to intimidate them. You can, there's a difference also, I should mention, between kindly asking and giving a profane rant and ordering someone to say something. There's a difference, you know? One is civil, one is with dignity, and the other is with the degeneracy that I mentioned earlier, that I'm disgusted with and sick of. I don't care what someone's views are. That behavior is deplorable no matter what. Okay, thank you for your email. Um, let's see who else we got checking in. Ooh, we got Tyler writing in. And he has a couple possible emails. Tyler from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, well, let's see. He has three possible topics. Let's pick one of the, um... One of the three. These are all good emails. Let me just let me just say that right now, Tyler. I appreciate that. Well, I'll go with this one. Hello, Mr. Report of the Week. This is Tyler from Atlanta, Georgia, contacting you via email as electronic correspondence. Greatly enjoyed the show last week. 
Before I politely inquire, I'd like to apologize if any of my now and future presented topics have already been discussed. Uh, of course, do as you please uh, in terms of uh, specifically picking out what topics you'd like to discuss. With that being said, I will now present the question I had in mind. I was wondering, since I would personally characterize you as being a traditional gentleman in a contemporary world, what's your outlook on chivalry? By this, I not only mean chivalrous deeds toward women, such as opening the door when entering and leaving a building, opening the vehicular door, um, pulling out a chair, uh, etc., but I also mean just doing courteous acts in general, like helping someone carry a heavy object, uh, helping the elderly cross the street, waiting to eat so that everyone at the dinner table gets their food, while your meal may sit momentarily, etc. As a side note from my personal experience, many people appreciate it when I'm just being a decent person and helping them out, but admittedly there are some interactions that carry out uh, with a token of gratitude missing, unfortunately, and it seems that they just take my kindness without a care. However, I simply resist the strong urge of showing any disappointment, hold my tongue and try to say to myself mentally, I did my part in an attempt to help make the day a little better slash easier, and I hope they spread the generosity as well elsewhere. Some people will say that you should do things without anything in return, and while I agree to a certain extent, I think that a simple verbal expression of appreciation for the sake of manners, to let people know that you value their assistance, is always well received in my opinion. Thank you again for taking the time and effort in reading this message, and I look forward to your next weekly show. I hope you have a terrific night from Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Number one for your uh, email. It was very well written, and I appreciate that you actually sent in a few. It was good to see. It was very well uh, written, and it's a good topic. I like it. I don't know if anyone's really asked me about that before, though I've talked about it slightly. Now, I am a supporter of it. Um, you just have to understand, you know, you have to have situational awareness. You know, meaning, unfortunately, see, I prescribe to the ideology that there are a lot of bad people in the world. And that lots of people are just intentionally mean individuals. And maybe it's as maybe I'm just jaded because, you know, just the stuff I have to witness online day after day for the last, you know, at least seven years straight now, ever since 2013. You know, just, I guess it, it's, it really has changed my worldview when you just see people hurling insults at you day after day. It, it really does make you think less of humanity, but I've come to realize there was a time where I just hated the world and thought everyone was that way, but... I've kind of accepted that I think that there's a lot of bad people, but there are good people out there as well. And, you know, Tyler, anyway, I know I don't know you, but to me, you seem like a good person. You seem like one of those individuals that really you try to do the right thing. You try to help others out. And the world needs more people like that. The world needs more individuals who, who do these things. Well, like I've said... A simple act of kindness can make a world of difference. I truly believe that. Now, when doing so, again, you just have to have the situational awareness to see 
Um, you know, do I think my help is warranted slash necessary right now? But there are plenty of situations out there where yes, the answer would be yes. And then absolutely do your part. And unfortunately, the way the world is, if it were a perfect world and people had dignity and manners and appreciation, it wouldn't even have to go with saying that appreciation, you know, would be shown in return, that there would be gratitude given, right? Unfortunately, you do have a lot of people that really only care about themselves. And you can do a good deed and they don't really care. But you did the right thing also. Unfortunately, those negative behaviors, they feed off of itself. And it really is like a disease. It's like a virus. Negativity, it does breed upon itself and it just festers and allows for more negativity to grow. So, as a result, uh, to just hold your tongue, it's the best thing you can possibly do. You know, it comes down to altruism also, where, you know, that ideology is just uh, selflessness and just doing all these things with no expectation of gratitude. But again, I think it really, like you said, should be common decency. Uh, again, like if someone does something as simple as holding a door open for you or helping you with something, to at the very least say thank you, you know, thank you so much. But it is a world where such things, on, again, in, on both sides of that, the expression of gratitude, but even the acts of kindness themselves are severely lacking. I told a story, I guess about a year ago, I would say, where last year, maybe you could, I think you could find it on YouTube, it was the um, flat tire story, where, you know, car, a car broke down on the side of a major highway here in Florida, at night, you know, around like, I think it was 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and no one cared. No one cared that there were severe issues and that it just couldn't be moved at this point without assistance. And no one cared. No passing motorists cared. The uh, police didn't care. Even the stupid uh, Geico roadside assistants didn't care. No one cared. No one helped. No one did anything until a tow truck finally showed up and then of all things the driver of the tow truck happened to be a, uh, a viewer of the youtube channel what a coincidence but um it was just a shame that i was there for hours and hours and hours with at that point thousands and you know, thousands of cars having passed by and no one cares no one really now granted that's a much bigger deed but you know there really used to be a day long ago at this point, where people really would have helped, where people really would have stepped in, uh, when people, I think, cared more about each other, when there was a sense of community. You know, this all ties together. When there really was a sense of, of community, uh, I think in many towns and even cities, and people just, they looked after each other more. Yeah, now you see, it's like every man for himself. It's like, I got mine, you get yours. It's a, it's a sad state of affairs. You know, sometimes I just look. That's the thing. I think people have, have realized at this point the way I view things is everywhere. These The views are all over the place. And again, that only usually succeeds in upsetting people who disagree with you as opposed to um, reaching anyone who, who does agree. 
But, you know, sometimes I really look at these things, I really don't like the way the, the world is heading. Like we mentioned, when I think you also see people out there that they can say nice things online, but when push comes to shove, you know, in the real world, they'll never, they'll never really act upon the things that they say. They'll never practice what they preach. They, they make a, a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram post, post a picture, and, you know, they act like that's their charitable work. You know, in reality, is that picture really going to do anything? Is it really going to change anything? I don't know. Some pictures really can change the world, but some people act like just doing that and making a post on social media is is doing a good deed. I don't know. I guess in some ways it does, but in some ways it doesn't. And it seems like, again, in the real world, no one... Some of those same people, anyway, just don't, don't do those things that they, you know... I've already said it, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but... No, I think it's important. Um, you know, as for me, again, I don't ever expect any sort of gratitude in return. I never do. You know, I never do. I, if someone does, I'm actually kind of taken by surprise at this point. And um, it's always great to see, it always puts a smile on my face, but... It's not something I expect. And if someone doesn't, again, it's just, I keep my mouth shut, you know? I'm not going to instigate anything. I'm not, you know, it's just, life goes on and go our separate ways. And, you know, the, the day continues. So that's what we've got. Thank you so much for your uh, email and for your uh, piece of feedback. It was really interesting. So thank you for checking in. And uh, I know you sent in a couple more. So if anything else comes to mind, send it over. Otherwise, I might try to get to... Uh, some of the other ones in future shows. You're listening to VORW International, the voice of the report of the week. Any feedback is welcome, VORWINFO at gmail.com. That's VORWINFO at gmail.com. Like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, and I will say again, if you do uh, enjoy the show, you liked hearing it, and you want to hear more of it, Consider supporting this broadcast. It's only possible with your financial support. A contribution of any size and shape really does work wonders. And you can do so via PayPal to VORWINFO at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Okay, next up we have an email from Fan in Malaysia says, uh, two questions, hopefully to include in the podcast. Number one, what are your thoughts on coins? I am fine with coins, and it's something that I had wanted to get into, but I just haven't had the time for it. You know, it's just one of those things that it's like, it, it really does interest me, you know, be a numismatist, right? That's what they say, a coin collector. It's a nicer way of saying that. Numismatist. I do have some coin sets, nothing of any value, you know, just uh, little things here and there for fun. But coins do interest me. You know, of course, the old coins, I always, I always like that. And one of the things that I would do for fun sometimes is just very, very amateur coin collecting. Just, it's always fun. Is I'm um, just going through loose change and <laughs> checking the dates on the different coins. I always like doing that. 
if I ever get spare change, I always sort through it and I look through the dates because you never know what you're going to see. And again, I remember once from McDonald's, you know, I um, got a burger or something, paid in cash, got a, you know, got some change. And I got this one dime once that looked, it looked really weird. It was like something I'd never really seen before ever in circulation. And <laughs> sure enough, I look and it's a, a mercury dime, you know, from like the 1930s. Not of any value or anything, but the fact that this thing was still in circulation after all these years, um, you know, it's, it's actually been changing hands and just out there all the way from the 1930s. Um, until finally, you know, it wound up in my possession where I uh, just saved it because I'd never, I'd never seen a mercury dime uh, ever just given out as just a change, you know, from McDonald's. But yeah, it was the case. So you never know what you're gonna get. Of course, you know now some of the oldest ones that you'll see are um, sometimes nickels, you know, from the 1940s or uh, 50s. You know, nickels are always some of the oldest ones that I've usually seen. And otherwise, um, you'll get the occasional penny still with the, uh, I guess, what do they call it? The wheat penny, you know, the one of the two stalks of wheat, which uh, those have been, those were created from 1909 to 1958. So sometimes I'll see those still with, um, yeah, mostly from the 50s, I would say. You still get that in circulation. So I always like the old coins. You never really see any of the uh, quarters, you know, from, uh, I guess, the early 1960s or before, because those are worth more than 25 cents, and those things get scooped up real quick. But what I've always thought about doing is, uh, maybe I'm just going to do it. Maybe I'm finally just going to go bite the bullet at some point, but maybe I'll get a couple bucks one day and go to the bank and just get the cash and just exchange it in for uh, coins. I think you could still do that, right? And, you know, just get whatever it is, whatever I want to do, you know, 25, you know, 50 bucks worth of, uh, let's say, dimes or uh, nickels or, again, quarters is very, very iffy. I doubt you'll ever find much because people go through that stuff like you wouldn't believe, but Maybe some of the smaller change, maybe even pennies, you know. Just for fun, why not? Put a pair of gloves on and uh, just start sort th sort through it, see what you find. I don't know, it's fun to me. You know, now it's always interesting how they change the design of the, the penny, right? Where you have... Again, it used to have the wheat on the back for so long. Then it had the Lincoln Memorial... Um, I guess from 1959 to 2008, those are the ones that you still see a lot of. Then from like 2008 to 2010, they just had all these like special ones, just I guess commemorating the uh, life of Abraham Lincoln. And then from 2010 to present, uh, they had the NFL shield on the back. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help myself, I'm sorry. Ever, ever since I saw that, I thought, wow, they put the NFL shield on the back of the back of the penny now. Uh, it's such a bad joke, but some people are going to find that tasteless, but I can't help it. Every time I see a penny now and it has the shield on the back, I think, oh, wow, they, they're they really staking out how important the NFL is to, 
the country at this point, I guess, right? You can't can't live without your professional football. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm I'm off topic. I have been quite a bit tonight. Uh, second, though, uh, from our Malaysian listener, a second question just says, I really liked your outfit in the Little Caesars uh, Crazy Bread video. Most people, when they wear long sleeve shirts to fit is way too tight and looks awful, yours is quite loose and it is great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for your kind words. You know, not too many people really say that anymore. Everyone likes the tight stuff. Everyone likes the real tight shirts. I've never been one for that. You know, I always wear clothing, yes, in a dated fit, but that's just the way that I like it. That's how I'm comfortable in it, and that's the way that I look. That's the way that I want to look. And if someone wants to wear the real tight stuff, I don't care. You know, then go wear it. It doesn't bother me. But I've just never been a fan of it. Um, you know, like with that outfit, for instance, pretty much everything there is vintage. And I don't wear the vintage stuff just because, oh, you know, I hate the, uh, you know, I, like, I don't wear it because it's supposed to be cool to wear it or something. I just wear the vintage clothing because I cannot find any modern clothing that, you know, isn't like some sort of $2,000 uh, Gucci pair of pants, which the real high fashion stuff is in styles that I like, but I'm not gonna blow two grand on a pair of pants. I'm gonna go to the thrift store and buy a pair of pants from the 1990s or 80s, or even early 2000s, you know, for five bucks and that's it. I don't care if it's used or not. I'm, most of my clothing is, you know, but that's why I like the older styles. And I just can't find anything new that isn't insanely expensive that fits that. You know, like, again, with suits. I like a roomy jacket. I like wide lapels. I like the darker colors. Um, a longer jacket, again. The pants, usually, they're always pleated. Um, wide leg, sometimes cuffed but just very, very flowy and drapey and, you know, don't have any sort of, you know, taper or fit. That they're just wide leg, very, very traditional fit. Um, which all of these styles are very popular with menswear. Again, in the 1980s, 90s, and into the 2000s, and then slim fit came, and that's has been popular ever since. So... I just prefer the traditional fit, but that's just not, that's still, for how many years it's been now, still isn't popular anymore, and no places really make it, or if they do, the quality is horrendous, or it's extremely expensive, so I just go with the vintage stuff. Same thing, you know, with, like, shirts. Um, yeah, you know, you can usually see there's always room in the sleeves, uh, because I always like that. Or I will wear even a short-sleeved dress shirt with a tie. Something that isn't looked upon very, <laughs> very well right now. Um, but again, you know, look in the 1990s, you had plenty of businessmen that wore a short-sleeved dress shirt with a tie. I especially do because here in Florida, uh, it gets so warm, you know, you're, you're comfortable with that. So, I mean, I wear a short-sleeved dress shirt with a necktie probably you know, three or four times a week, every week. But it's as comfortable, and the sleeves on that 
obviously cut off at the shoulder, but are very wide as well. So, you know, I just, I like the styles that I like, but no, I'm glad, I'm glad you like that too. I'm glad you, uh, you know, you like the way the shirt is. So thank you. Thank you for your compliment and kind words. Uh, we have an email from Maya who checks in, says, Dear VORW, I heard your latest radio show about the sensitive race topic, and I will just say that I thought it was very well spoken of you, and I agree with you on everything. Unfortunately, I can almost guarantee that there will be other groups complaining and questioning why you don't do the same thing for them. And the group you've been supporting will question why you didn't do more, or that you should support in this way or that way instead. Some might even say you use it as a benefit to reach more followers or attention, which all leads to a typical damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I guess sometimes it's better to avoid political topics altogether to keep your own peace and mind in the long run, but that's just my two cents. Do whatever floats your boat. Realistic but hopeful wishes. No, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Most of the time, I don't touch this stuff with a 10-foot pole because it's so toxic and vitriolic. But I just said, look, you know, I, I examined it very, very carefully beforehand, and it was just one of those things that it wasn't done in a carefree manner. It wasn't done to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do this today, right? It was something that I spent days thinking about, thinking, should I do it? Should I not? Originally, I was going to keep my mouth shut, but... I decided, no, I am going to say something about it. And it's just going to be my two cents. It's not going to try to make a difference. It's just going to share my, my thoughts. And I thought, I know some people are going to agree. Others are going to disagree. Uh, some people are going to be very, very angry. But if it upsets people, I just have to cut the losses, move on, and that's it. You know, most of the time, I really, this isn't a political show. It's very, very rare that I ever give comments on such sensitive issues. And it's not going to be a regular thing. You know, this is just an extraordinary event that I just, I wanted to comment on. That's it. It's not going to be some sort of, all of a sudden, now I'm just contributing to the toxicity of American politics. It's not going to be that way. Never will be. I hate that system. But I just understood full well that, yeah, it's going to cause some damage, but, you know, if you could see me right now, I just shrugged my shoulders. It's like, all right, you cut the losses, you move on. Again, I also think a lot of people possess the civility that... Even if what might be said or what might be expressed isn't totally in line with their views one way or the other, uh, they have that maturity to understand that not everyone is on the same page, not everyone thinks alike, but we can still communicate, we can still, you know, be, you know, you could still be friends despite not, not seeing eye to eye on everything, at least that's how I see it. I'll talk to someone if they're left-wing or right-wing. I don't care. You know, I'm interested in what other people think also. I'm not one of those people that, oh, you're on this side of the spectrum, so I don't associate with people like that. No, you know, 
I'm, I try to give everyone, everyone a chance. Some people blow that from the first second, but I always try to give everyone a chance. Just, that's just how I've always been. It's just how I am as a person. Maybe that's a flaw, but that's just how I've always been. Uh, we have another letter coming in from John in Pennsylvania. I read this one and it's a little long, but it's one of those, it's one of those pieces of correspondence that it doesn't matter. It's just very, very well written and it's really worth sharing. So let's just get on to it. John in Pennsylvania writes, after being on YouTube for probably what is approaching 10 years, I've seen your videos come up on my suggested in the past. And as I don't go for YouTube telling me what I should watch, I typically ignored them. Well, I finally caved and watched one of your videos, then another, then another, then a VORW podcast, and then another and another, and now I'm hooked. And I have to say, I regret turning down those original suggestions because I was, I was truly missing out on some unabashed excellence. Now I'm in for my next phase of participation with your videos, which is writing into the show. Before I get into the meat and potatoes of my correspondence, I just want to say how dead on the mark a lot of your points and discussions are, and it's a shame that more people don't listen to you. Nevertheless, I really appreciate what you take the time to put forth. I'm writing to you in regards to recent events in America and your Is Society Too Forgetful show. You posted that discussion in October of last year, and I was trying to comb my memory to figure out what it was going on, what it was that was going on that made you have that discussion. I don't recall anything specific, so I took to Google, and all I could come up with were the climate strikes and Greta Thunberg, which ironically enough I think has also fallen out of our memory, or possibly Jeffrey Epstein too, another case of a serious issue that's fallen into oblivion, replaced by the next viral headline. It's a case in point that I cannot remember these things myself, even for the sake of discussing the issue. Hypocritical in a way I suppose to. To talk about what's been happening lately, what you said reigns true. Everything has erupted and all of us are convinced that this will put an unforgettable scar on all our minds that we shall not soon forget. However, is it not a repeat of events that has happened previously? Recently? It was a little more than five years ago when Baltimore was shut down due to protests that turned into rampant destruction and violence. Or in Ferguson, Missouri, that same year. Or in Oakland in 2014, or Milwaukee in 2016, or St. Louis in 2017. I can go on. Unrest that stemmed from the same issues that has upended society today. For the events of earlier times, it is made possible, maybe, that we didn't have the social media so deeply ingrained into our lives that we forgot because it wasn't burned into our memory by seeing something that nearly every other post swipe or scroll we see. However, to use a recent example, the Australian fires seem like a faint memory already. Yet it was just three or four months ago with the last big coverage being approximately January and February. And it apparently is still ongoing, but reporting was derailed and replaced with coronavirus coverage. That was something that bombarded everyone from nearly every facet of media. 
Apple had a splash screen on their website to donate, Google had info and donate links right below the search bar, and just about everyone I know or follow shared something about it for a good while. Retweets, Reddit posts, Instagram posts, Facebook shares. It became overwhelming, and I hate to say it, annoying to a certain degree. I would guarantee if you asked someone if they remember the Australian fires, they'd say it was last year or years ago or something and would be in shock to remember how recent they were. I think the same is going to happen with what has happened lately, just as it happened before. But this will slowly but surely fade away. And fade out of memory, only to have another terrible and tragic incident occur and the cycle repeat. Repeat to the same intensity as if it never happened previously. No one remembering what happened previously. I hope justice is served to those affected, not only now, but for all people from all time. If everyone carried around just a little bit of respect and integrity for themselves and others, the world would be a much gentler place. Apologies for the long letter, but certain things shouldn't be abridged, and I hope to write in again, hopefully for something of a lighter and brighter mood. P.S. I tuned in to VORW on the uh, Twent SDR at the 9pm Europe broadcast on May 28th, and it was great. Great signal quality and a great show. And I used to do a radio show in college that was more or less the same as yours, and it brought back good memories. I definitely plan to be a frequent listener. So uh, thank you so much, John, in Pennsylvania. Good to uh, hear from you. I agree wholeheartedly with your email. And it's one of those things that I think, you know, you don't even really need to respond to it because these views I share as well. So what you said, I agree with completely. And it's a sad thing, but, you know, like I said in the one broadcast that I know you listen to, it might just be how, you know, the human mind is at this point. You know, we're, you know how it is. We're bombarded with so much stuff day after day after day, right? We just are. Even, you know, like another good example, right? Look at the um, coronavirus, for instance. How many people do you think, I bet they still remember it, but right off the top of their head, how many people do you think are still thinking about what happened on the Diamond Princess cruise ship? I wouldn't say a lot of people, but back in February, that was the talk of the town, you know? The outbreak on the Diamond Princess, the cruise ship there off of Yokohama, Japan. But absolutely, you know, Ferguson, Baltimore, I know those two I really, really followed very, very closely. Yeah. What's changed? Protesting the same thing. That's why I also... See, sometimes I... I kind of can be a little bit of you know, a little bit incoherent. I can jumble my words, but I try to I try to select them carefully. There's a reason also why when I mentioned my comment when I talked about it in this show, I used the word dream. Very very carefully. A dream. Because do I think that this is really going to be the end of it? No, I don't. You know. Such deplorable things are going to happen again. And again. And that's also why I said, will not be forgotten. 
do our, do our best anyway. Look, I hate to be a downer, but it will escape from memory, probably. You know, you just shake your head. Like you said. And I'll repeat it, because it's very true. It's eloquently written and something that I feel as well. If everyone carried around just a little bit of respect and integrity for themselves and others, the world would be a much gentler place. Very, very true words. Thank you, John, in Pennsylvania. A very good email, and it's good to hear from you. Do write again, because I, I like what you got. So, uh, if, if anything else comes to mind, go for it. Okay, two more emails. We got Mariah in upstate New York. Listening to the newest podcast right now, and I was very surprised that your channel has been flagged. You've been speaking the truth about the coronavirus situation and have been one of the only sources that I really trust to listen to. It seems like YouTube is trying to stop valid information from being spread and just headlining breaking news, which a lot of the time is hard for me to believe at this point. Maybe they'll claim it was trying to stop widespread panic? But you see coronavirus updates through biased news sources all the time on the homepage. Your podcasts and channels have been one of my favorite things to listen to and watch for quite some time now. I'd be very upset if you got taken down on YouTube. Regardless, I listen to your podcasts on Luminary Media along with the other podcasts I enjoy, but I believe you should be able to monetize your hard work where you please without problems. You are non-offensive and very respectful. I don't see any valid reason there would be to flag your content. It's strange. We have the right to speak freely in our country, but simply speaking your mind in a conscientious way about a crucial topic is out of line. Really hoping it was some sort of fluke, wishing you the best from Mariah. Well, thank you, Mariah. Good to hear from you over in upstate New York. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. Again, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a supporter of the First Amendment, but I do understand private enterprise as well. It's just, it's, it is a weird feeling, you know, where I, I could easily talk about conspiracies, again, even just to talk about them, not to promote them, not to push them, but it's like I have to stop myself now. It's like, no, don't talk about it, because you just, you know, you don't know, right? You really don't. So... It's a strange time. It's a strange time we're living in. This whole year has been... It's been messed up. This whole year. I tell you, it has. Okay. We have... I guess one or two more. Alright, we'll do this. Two last insect stories. And then that'll be that. Uh, number one, we've got an email coming in from Bill in Ohio. A uh, shortwave listener, also tuned in online. I think he's actually a uh, amateur radio operator. So uh, says, Dear John, you bring up a good point. Empathy for the ants. Besides being a radio guy, I am a registered nurse. And I must confess that while your kill number is 20,000 ants, I've slaughtered what must be now billions of bacteria. I've had little regret for them, although mostly they are beneficial and relatively few being pathogenic to man, and yet I've killed them all. And yes, it was as premeditated as you ordering Black Flag and Tarot to dispatch them. My motto has always been, kill them all and let God sort them out later. Oh yes, they will get me in the end, 
because even if they don't cause my actual demise, the second I die, they will begin multiplying inside of me and even outside of me on my very skin, and they will multiply at an exponential rate. But I too will have the ultimate revenge upon them, just as they are at their apex, happily dividing and chomping away at me, they shall be consumed in a great fire. One must be firm with these creatures, and I feel the same way about mosquitoes and flies and scorpions and let's not forget hornets. I've also killed some carpenter ants and termites. All the best. Well, thank you. Thank you, Bill, over there in, in uh, Ohio. Uh, good to see that you're a registered nurse as well. I, I imagine you've been busy in these times, but just thank you for everything that you've you've done, regardless of the virus or not. I mean, it's, you know, your work really is greatly appreciated by me. And uh, that's a good point. You know, bacteria, you know, it's, it's, it is the same, but they will, they will have the last laugh <laughs> in the end, at least for a little bit, right? At least for a little bit. Thank you. It's good to hear from you again. It's been a little while, but good to have you listening still. And final email of the show, we got Jarrett listening in says, I was listening to the podcast about the ants, and I'm currently in a similar situation. My girlfriend and I recently moved into an apartment, and it was very nice for the first two weeks, but then I found a live German roach living under the sink. And if you don't know about German roaches, they are very invasive and very hard to get rid of. So worryingly enough, I emailed the landlord who said there would be a pest control coming next Friday, over 12 days away. I figured that's fine. I've only seen one, but then there was another and another and one more. Immediately, I bagged up any loose food and moved everything from out under the sink. The last straw was finding about six baby roaches in the door crack of the freezer. And I emailed the landlord again and pretty much demanded to get someone out there sooner. But my best friend is an exterminator and he came over on Saturday and baited the apartment for us. We were clear for over a week of zero roaches until last night where I found one baby roach. The exterminator sent by the apartment sprayed some sort of bait and didn't seem worried. He also sprayed all the other apartments as well. But who knows how seriously he took those apartments with me not staring at him while doing it. The situation was and is very stressful. Thankfully, we're only in this place for three months where as of right now, I don't think I'm going to re-sign the lease. Obviously, this problem will continue due to upstairs and downstairs neighbors who probably just don't care. Thank you for your hard work on the podcast. Love listening to these while working. I appreciate the longer ones. Have a great day. Well, thank you, Jared, for your story as well. Well, hopefully that gets settled out. Roaches are no fun either. You know, I've dealt with a few, but thankfully not a problem like that. I always set up some sort of, like, um, glue trap, I think called the Roach Motel. And that usually seems to do the trick for me, but, you know, roaches are different. Certain things, they're attracted to certain types of baits and traps and all of that. So I hope that gets settled out. I hope that gets taken care of, because it does not sound very pleasant at all. So hopefully that'll get better, and I wish you the best of luck with the roach issue. Thankfully, I've been checking for ants, and still no sign of any new ones, so that's good. You know, at least that seems to be done, which I'm thankful for. And with that, dear listeners, I'm very thankful if you made it all the way to this point in the show. 
means a lot to me that you listened and made it through the entire thing. I hope you enjoyed the program. Remember, your feedback is welcome at V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. It would be great to hear from you. We'll get to your emails again in the next broadcast. Until then, be safe, be healthy, stay true to yourself and what you believe, and please, be a good person. Remember, kindness, respect, dignity. Just try to be the best that you can be. We're not perfect. We could always improve. We could always try more, but be the best you can. Thank you for listening, and do take care. This is VORW, signing off.